Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Welcome back to the official Geek Speak podcast. I am your host, Sean, and joined as always is my co-host, Josh. Rudy Rudolph. This is the podcast where we watch movies, make movies, play games, and more. What else can you ask for? How you doing? You know, at first I was just like, okay, did, did he forget how to speak words? I realized you're trying to do, uh, do a clicker noise. <laughs> oh, that hurt my throat. But you're not clicking. Look, I'm trying my best. Okay, in the behind, in the documentary on how they made the first game, they had several different kinds of audio noises that they used to make the clicker noises. Well, aren't you a fancy little boy then? <laughs> you know too much. I know too much. Have you watched anything good lately besides um, new movies that come out? Um, anything you rewatched or anything lately, or anything that's past ten non theaters? Let me see. I did rewatch everything, everywhere, all at once after the Oscars, which we'll talk about. Uh, that was great, of course. Champions was uh, surprisingly good. Triangle of Sadness, not a not fan your, of. I watched all four Hungrians in two days. Um, it sounded like you said hung- Hungrians. I watched all four Hungarians. There's only four of them. Wow, the whole the whole country. <laughs> Yeah, they're a lot. They're kind of dying off because they're too hungry. Oof. If you're from hungry, listen to this. That's cool, but also I'm sorry for insulting you. Not the intention of the podcast. I watched uh, Hunger Games and Catching Fire one day. The next day I watched Mockingjay Part 1 and 2. Um, and I, I will say, Mockingjay, the book, is worse to me than Mockingjay's the movies. Uh, because I didn't like Katniss's own thoughts in the book, and there's less of that in the movies. Part two is better than part one, but it should have been one movie, but I also don't, don't know what you'd cut. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think, from what I remember of part one, I remember being like, this is just very slow and boring. But there was parts I'm like, okay, I this is interesting, but I, I, it didn't capture me enough to make me go see part two in theaters. And I own it. I still haven't watched it. <laughs> Last year, Josh tried watching all of them again just to, to finish the series finally, and he stopped at part one again. Yeah, I got to it, and it was late at night. I was tired. I went to bed, and I didn't watch it. <laughs> I, however, have not seen part one or part two until this watch. I'd watch Hunger Games 1 and watch Catching Fire, because I read, I read all the books 10 years ago, and I love the books, mostly. I love two-thirds of the books. Uh, I like a lot of parts of Mockingjay. I think as a whole, it's a little messy. Anyway, that's what I watched lately. Also, Josh, most episodes, we go through a different Disney Channel original movie, or DCOM, for short. 
and we see how in a short period of time the biggest media company on earth t catered toward like solely children with a large sample size we'll see quality changes etc uh this week is no different we watched a movie called quince and we'll get to that soon it was interesting and we also that we go we go through the um the news of the past few weeks two weeks now and we'll go through the topic for today which we have two main topics that's why we're not doing a super weird story later so we have the Oscars and The Last of Us Season 1, which will be led by Josh. E. This is, let's, let's talk about our decom, shall we? Do we have you think to? It's time? it's time, Josh. Oh, so no. we watched Quince, which I'm going to give right away. We give yay or nay on all the thing, uh, news, all the decoms, all the movies we've watched, everything we discussed, because art is subjective. There is no good or bad or yes or no. It's just like, yeah, it's what we gravitate towards. Um, this one's a hard nay for me. Oh. I was not a fan of this one. Hard nay, indeed. I There's not a plot to Quince. And when I say there's not a plot, I mean, there's, there's things that happen, but they don't, there's not a story. The, the best way I can describe how, what he means by this is movies like Licorice Pizza don't have plots in them. They have events. And that's not always a bad thing of not having a plot. If you have interesting characters or events that are happening, then a lack of an overall narrative doesn't necessarily hurt the film. It really for hurts instance, the film here. Yes, but like for instance, Spirited Away is no plot, just vibes, and it works so well. Exactly. This movie, there's a biker gang without bikes at one point. That's a thing. Which I told you about earlier, and you didn't understand what I meant, but now you do. I do, and it was very strange that they were on a subway. Yeah, uh, it was. A, it's a weird movie. So the quote-unquote plot of this movie is Marnie from Halloween Town, not the character, the actor. Um, All my notes, I listed her as Marnie. Which, well, she's called something else in this, Josh. She's I know she is, but she's Marnie to me. That's fair. Although she gets recast for our next Halloween Town movie. Shame. I, I agree. She is. A only child uh, for most of her life, and she's like 15 and, and no no siblings. Um, and so, maybe a little younger than that. Her and her, uh, she, she has to work really, really hard. Her parents never went to college. They put a lot of pressure on her to do well, get into like, you know, advanced engineering and math schools, like be really super top of her class kind of person. Um, and so, all she wants is her parents to back off of her a little bit, which that's a little reasonable. But you know what would have worked better than hoping for quintuplets? Uh, over siblings, <laughs> but what have worked better than that is talking to them. But this is a Disney Channel movie. You can't talk about things until it's the third act breakup. There's no breakups in this though. There's no. Uh, there's no dating, which is good. Yes, this movie. This movie did not need dating. And so she learns during the movie. She's not a big fan of the the math and science that she struggles with because she's also used to getting C's on her report card. And through art, she learns the power of getting a B. I'm not wrong. Her You're not wrong. I just think it's a very funny way of describing it. She joins art club with her friends, uh, finding passion for imagination, although all she draws is her babies, like her her siblings. Not her babies. She her siblings who are... She does not have babies in this, we are clarifying. Yes. She all she does is paint and draw her siblings who are five babies. Uh, which we'll get to soon. We're now again focusing on the only child part right now. So she joins art club. Her parents are on board with that. She thought they wouldn't be. Because they don't, it doesn't, not, she it's thinks not part, so little of her parents. It's not part of the plan. Right, but she also thinks really little of her parents a lot in this movie. She really like, does. They can, <laughs> they can never get behind me and doing something else. 
they still love you, Marnie, uh, Jamie, whatever your name is. <laughs> Child. Uh, ch- main girl. It's an odd film. So she joins art club. She gets excited about that. She start, gets an A in art class now. So she's taking art class. I guess it was that an elective she chose. Is that a core class in her grade? That's crazy to me. I think what's funny is, is I remember the the art class teacher was just like, and best part, there's no grades. And at the end, there's a grade. So I'm guessing she took art class after art club. Well, maybe she was already in art class. I don't know. I don't know either. That's not really elaborated. Well, the club has no grades because it's a club. Well, that makes sense. I just want to know why she got better because of art club, but not because of art class. Well, one has you have more creative freedom to you you want to do, and you know it, there's no pressure on stuff. I guess for grades, you start learning there's more pressure on things. I get that a little bit. It's weird. But then anyway, she's no longer an oil child. Her parents have babies. Lots of babies. Of and they almost pull a weird gag at the end where they have seven. We'll get into that later. But they have uh, five babies now. There's a woman they hire named Fiona, who's the worst person. I kind of like Fiona. What? There's a, it's a, it's a babysitter, kind of, like a nanny kind of person who's... You ever heard of Mary Poppins? It's not like that. The funniest thing about her was she always talked about herself in the third person, and she had a very thick Irish accent. I don't know why, that just tickled my funny bone. Fear not, for I am Fiona, was her catchphrase. Because, of course, grown adult women have catchphrases. And, of course, the Fiona couldn't take handling five babies again because no one can take that pretty well on their own. Except Jamie could do it. Because she's the sister, and she pays attention. Because she's the... I think Fiona paid attention. She just didn't... You know, it's whatever. The babies had to be on a schedule. They had to pee at the right time. They had to poop at the right time. If they didn't, then everything falls apart. They will listen to Fiona. (laughs) Oh... Josh, what else happened? I don't. I'm, it's your turn to talk. I'm tired. I I'm took, tired of this grandpa. I took notes. Oh boy. So um, my where are we? In the, what what's happening next? So Fiona leaves, and then they're just like, "Oh, what was me? What will we do?" Then Magic Truck shows up with many diapers. They're like, "Whoa, Magic Truck of diapers! What's this?" And a we guy named. Specify, they're also not wealthy at all. They can't afford to have. These they, five kids. They are very much a lower middle class family, which is odd to see in a Disney movie. Or not. I don't remember. Either way, Magic Diaper Truck shows up, <laughs> and a magic man named Albert shows up. He's like, I will make you and your babies rich and famous, so let's exploit your babies for said rich and said fame. Which those kind of people do exist. I do usually get upset. I'm taking a bit of a perspective. I usually do get upset as a parent for exploiting their kids. But I also thought about, yeah, if you really are desperate and you can't afford it, it's like, sometimes it's the only way you can afford to have a kid. Yes, and in the context of this movie, I don't think they said what state they were in, but they were the first quintuplets born in that state, so, you know, people are like, wow, five babies at once, that's crazy! Even the governor cares, which we'll get to later. The governor really cares! (laughs) (laughs) But my my Uh, first note of the movie was, thanks for holding my hand, movie, I'd be so lost without you. Now, can you tell me what the number five means? There is so much narration and fourth wall breaking in this movie. I was starting to lose my mind. I can't. I kid you not. It's insane. If you think Deadpool's fourth wall breaking is annoying, this is even worse. <laughs> it felt like they saw, hey, Miracle in Lane 2 did well. Let's try and do, do some of that stuff. But don't, they didn't understand what worked in that movie. There's like... Th- like, half of Marnie's dialogue in this is her having some fantasy, which they also don't transition into said fantasy well at all to indicate that's what it is. And she's just like, I'm kidding. You guys need to start paying attention every single time. I'm like, I get it. You hate us. Now be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> 
she does say things like, well, that, did that really happen? No. That kind of stuff. It's so weird. And I, I hate digging on child actors uh, for a bad performance, but this one is different because we have seen Marnie give good performances before. This was because of bad direction. A lot of her dialogue is not great, uh, and her, her delivery, especially narration, bad. But I'm chopping it up to just bad direction. There's only two good scenes in this. I counted two, where she's actually allowed to show emotion, and it feels earned. Yeah, near the end, she she when she gets actually emotional about feeling like abandoned again, that, she does a really good job pulling that off. In most films like this, I would be it'd be a typical just like I hate the babies. I wish they were never born. But it actually wasn't that. I was just like, oh wow, you didn't f go with the cliche. Good for you. No, she loves her siblings. Yes, I'm um, I'm happy they avoid the trope of just like I didn't want the babies and all that. She's like, no, I love I love my brothers and sisters. I just actually want my parents to you know pay attention to me. <laughs> I have a note in here. Uh, this is when Fiona first shows up. Uh, she's just like, ah, only, th only the babies and the mother, everyone else out. And Marnie is just like, I'm a sibling. She's like, all right, you friend out, leave, goodbye. And I was like, why is this woman Irish? And why did she kick out her friend? My guest, racist. <laughs> the way you said that reminded me of the teacher in Incredibles. Coincidence? <laughs> I think not. <laughs> Which also, that line is said in this movie. Coincidence, I think not. That exact line is said in this movie. Yeah. But... What happens after Fiona leaves? Josh and Albert comes. Well, who is Albert? What's going on there? So Albert wants to make the babies rich and famous and all that junk. And so the parents start focusing on all that more. And Marnie's art's getting better. And she's just like, why won't they pay attention to me? Why are they focusing on the money? Blah, 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 blah. And it gets to this big art show. And she gets into it. And she's so happy and proud of herself. But her parents are more like, oh, the babies. We got to focus on that because their other daughter does now not exist. And so because of that, they uh, get invited to a governor's ball. Because, you know, fame. And Marnie's just like, but my art show and, like, all that. So she goes to school. She tears up some of her drawings. The first good scene of the movie. And then she... <laughs> so the scene before this, uh, it was a parent-teacher conference, which they forgot about. They forget about their child a lot in this. And <laughs> I wrote, uh, Marnie, read the room. Your friend might have parents that hate him, but don't let him know that. <laughs> <laughs> because one of her friends... It just makes, like, a pass... They just make this passing comment, like, his parents, like, didn't all show up or something. It's all the time? I thought it was just that one scene. No, it happened numerous times, Josh. Oh, no. They imply that his, his parents, like, approach abandoned this, uh, this genius kid. I forgot. I thought it was just that one scene. He takes it so casually. No, he brings it up a few... It's, it's, it's implied a few times that his parents just don't care about him at all. In fact, early on, she's like, I wish I, I wish I had parents like yours to him or something like that. Because... You know, they weren't on his case. But let's talk about that art show. I, one thing I like about it a lot is that she forgives her parents after seeing how busy they are for not, for not remembering about it. And then doesn't bring it up to, him, to them again, realizing, you know what? They're only going to get invited to the governor once. They're only going to be called Parents of the Year one time. It's okay. I'll let it slide. I actually really, I was really mature of her. I love that decision. Yes, this... When I got down and, like, really thought about the script, the script itself is honestly not that bad. I, it's it's a generic story for sure, but it act, but it does have those shiny moments where I'm like, okay, you're you're trying. You're doing something a bit different. It's just the direction that I hate. There are so many scenes of quote-unquote comedy in this that do not land and do not work at all. But yeah, she gets into her school's art show. It's a big deal. She tells her parents uh, date and time everything. They're really excited for her. That same time, Albert comes in with like their last big gig, 
of, hey, your quince, which is what they call the quintuplets, and they say it quince a thousand times. The quintuplets, uh, they get invited to the governor's ball, like you said, at the, and they don't, the parents, I don't think you even realize at all the exact same time, because the time of the, the governor's ball is on the card, their, their invites. Look, um, we've, we've established that they don't care about their one child. It's okay. It's fine. Also, at one point, one of the quintuplets goes to the hospital, named Adam, um, and at that moment, that's when they fire Albert for his for being their uh, baby manager, because Albert said we should just replace the baby for one shoot, and they're like, no, this is an actual child of mine, and they fire him, which that's good, I guess. Not my favorite decom. No. I was talking to you about 20 minutes in the movie for you, and you said you want to watch Genius again instead. I would. That was so much more fun. <laughs> what is next up, Josh? Uh, let me see. It's Brave. We're just watching Brave now. Please be luck at the Irish. <laughs> it, oh, it was St. Patrick's Day the other day. Happy St. Patrick's Day, everyone. Yay, the Irish. <laughs> the next one is called The Other Me. Is about a. <laughs> this will be fun. I hope it. Okay, I'm going least. blind. This will be interesting. The other me. But Josh, you know what it's time for? More word talk. More word talk, aka news. <laughs> so it's been about two weeks since we last recorded. We last recorded on the third or fourth, and now it's the nineteenth. Oh shit! <laughs> yeah. You know what? Life uh is hard. And we have struggles. But we got some movies to come out. We had Scream 6 come out. That was a really fun time. Indeed it was. I got I saw it in a theater by myself. Perks of being uh, working at a theater. I also saw it in a theater by myself. I mean, I had a smallish crowd with me. But like, I saw it. I didn't go with anyone else. And I had a fun time. Um, the first Scream is still my favorite. Yeah, I think I would I would go... I need to rewatch Scream 6. But I think I would go 1, 5, 6... Four, two, three. Prior to Scream Six, because I don't know where it ranks yet. It's it would be one, five, four, and two are tied, and then three. Okay. Uh, but I don't know where six is. The ending to me comes off really weird. Like the dialogue is really cheesy at the end, and the ghost face stuff isn't great to me at the end. Um, but you know, considering but, that they only had a year difference between when the last one came out and this one, I'm honestly impressed how good it is. And they're starting Scream 7 this year, looks like. That's concerning me a bit more, but hopefully they have an idea. But let's get into other stuff. Like we had 65 came out with middling reviews. I um, I was I got I'm disappointed by it. Such a cool premise, but man, it is a wasted. I'm still gonna watch it at some point because I want to. I still want to see dinosaurs and Adam Driver. Why not? And apparently he gets a flower in his hair. That's cute. <laughs> Shazam: Fury of the Gods came out, uh, and. That's cool. It'll either be our next our next episode will either be on that or the D&D movie. So that's fun. Yay. And for those who don't know, I'm currently making a campaign for Josh and some other people we, we know to play D&D together. Um, maybe at one point we'll record a game just to put it out on the like, audio version on the podcast. It'd be fun. My main goal will be chaos because I don't oh, that, know what to do. That's mine too for all of you. Uh, I won't kill you all. I'll get close. I will make you suffer. <laughs> but I'm excited for And you're watching Shazam today. I'm hopefully watching it, watching it tomorrow morning. It'll be a fun time. We also had Ted Lasso return. Yes. And I am watch, starting watching that tonight. Ah, so I'm so happy. After watching the first episode, 
I think I can see and understand why they're going with three seasons, and that's all I'll say. Question for you, though. Is it the whole season now or just a few episodes? It's just the first episode. Okay. But that's good. Yay on the on Ted Lasso returning. I love that. We also have uh, Hannah Waddingham News, who you might know as Rebecca in Ted Lasso. Yes. She has been cast in Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 2. Yes. Yes. A million times. Yes. It's a long title. <laughs> I don't care. Any any casting for that movie at this point, I'm like, I'm there. Day one. Hannah Waddingham is great. I love Rebecca the character, and I'm excited for more she does. And at some point, Josh and I will watch all Mission Impossible, as well as oh my girlfriend went to Cole. We'll just sit down and watch <gasps> yes. them all. Because she wants, she wants to watch them with me, too. So we'll have a group watch. Sound good? Yes! Other news. I'll give that a yay, because Hannah, Hannah's cool. Uh, according to Collider, David Harbour said that the final season of Stranger Things begins filming this June. That's cool. Yay. Yay. This is some fast yays. We have Beetlejuice 2 news. Not only is that officially, officially happening... But Jenna Ortega has reportedly been offered the role of Lydia Dietz's daughter in Beetlejuice 2. That's not claimed if she has a role yet, but and she's apparently circling some other roles as well in the movie. Cool. She's a great actress. If you've seen Scream 6, you know she's also great in that. She did some small indie show about a girl named Tuesday or something. I don't know. Some weekday. Yeah, so she's done some stuff. Beetlejuice 2. You see, again, that's a movie with no plot, just vibes. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, and I, I don't really know what the sequel will be like, but sure, why not? They, they, need to get, they need to get the ball rolling on that soon because Michael Keane's in his 70s. Like, there's only so much longer that he can, you know, do zany, weird stuff. There's a chance they might recast Beetlejuice. No! <laughs> because there's other actors who could do it. Kind of <gasps> too, he's a demon anyway. He could change his appearance and stuff, whatever. I got it. Jared Leto! Uh, no, please. Uh, meow? <laughs> ben Schwartz is Beetlejuice? Honestly... <laughs> Okay, uh, no, we should have Jake Johnson as Beetlejuice. Nick, uh, Nick from New Girl. No, Jake Gyllenhaal. Pedro Pascal. Yes! <laughs> Pedro Pascal as Beetlejuice. He's, he has to take uh, Jenny Ortega across the country. <laughs> oh my god. Um, <laughs> so yeah, your name on uh, her potentially playing Lydia's daughter. I'll give it a yay. I'm good with seeing her in anything. So you like popular hot people? I mean, that's what a celebrity is, isn't it? Andrew Garfield and Florence Pugh will star in We Live in Time. Yes, more popular a... hot people starring in movies. <laughs> That's what they are, right? According to the internet. The film is described as funny, deeply moving, and an immersive love story according to Deadline. The real question so, is, is will they let them have their British accents? <laughs> this is a big day for the LGBTQ community. Because while these actors are apparently not outwardly queer anyway, the queer people love them. But no, honestly, that, that's great. They're both great actors. We got Spider-Man and Yelena together again. Or not again, but for the first time, it looks like, cool. Yay. You know how uh, those two played Marvel characters? Uh-huh. There's some DC characters that exist, Josh. There are? Like the Batman in The Batman. And oh. The Batman Part 2 begins filming this November. Yay. Yay. I, how can I film now instead? But also, that's cool for fall vibes. So that's cool. I'm so curious who the villain is going to be. That's the thing that really excites me. After Paul Dano's R Riddler, I'm very curious who it's going to be. Cause... Paul Dano's... Oh, yeah, you said it right. I think it's a Joker in my head. No. But I was about to say, because uh, I, don't, I don't think it's going to be uh, Barry Keegan's Joker. I don't think it's going to be that yet. Or it's going to be Morbius, somehow. <laughs> Speaking of comic book characters, back to some Marvel stuff. We get a look at Kahori. I think it's pronouncing that right. From What If Season 2. The character will be included in an episode focused on... What would happen if the Tesseract fell to Earth 
and landed in the sovereign Haudenosaunee Confederacy before the colonization of America. It's an indigenous story with a really long title that people cannot always pronounce. They're probably going to want to shorten that title down. (laughs) Cool design, though, for the character. Yes. And And I like the idea. And Amber Midthunder from Pre- from Prey is start is playing the role, and I'm very excited for that. That's awesome! Yay! Yay! I want more indigenous representation. Do you know, Josh, that sometimes games get delayed? You know what? I've I've been a gamer all my life. Never once have I experienced this. Well, Suicide Squad: Kill the Justice League has been delayed uh, to later this year after fan backlash. I'm never mad at a game or movie being delayed really almost ever because it means they're still working and they want to make sure it's better. Yes, and they delayed it because everyone saw all the microtransaction bullshit they were doing with it and fans were like, no, no, we don't want this. And they actually listened, which is shocking. So Josh, in that game, who was the Suicide Squad trying to kill? Uh, The Justice League. And who is honestly the most popular person in the Justice League? Oh, uh, that's a great one. Uh, hmm. I think Captain Cold. I think he's in the Justice League. Yeah, I would go with Batman as most popular, personally. Maybe I'm wrong. Just, eh. just a hunch. He's he's mid. Uh, <laughs> I hate that word, you fucking idiot. No. <laughs> uh, speaking of Batman, I did a great transition there, totally. Uh, Jensen Ackles almost played Batman, quote-unquote, almost. In Gotham Knights, but couldn't due to scheduling conflicts. Quote, unquote, scheduling conflicts. <laughs> scheduling conflict was his reputation. Yeah. Um, I, I'm glad he didn't do it. Me too. <laughs> but I would have been cool to see him as Batman on, the, on TV. That'd be cool. If, as an idea. If he ever played Batman in live action, I think it would be very cool. But from the clips we've seen of Gotham Knights, he made he the smart like, choice. <laughs> he'd be playing a dead Batman too. Well, there probably would be flashbacks, but still. No, only dead guy in, in like, suit and tie in the ground. <laughs> uh, I gave that news a yay. I'm glad he avoided it. I give it a yay. But I'm honestly kind of curious. From the clips I've seen of the pilot episode, I'm like, this is hot garbage. I kind of want to see it. <sighs> and opposite to Batman is our boy Superman. And James Gunn is officially directing, not only writing, but now directing Superman Legacy. Clark Kent dealing with the legacy of both his two fathers, Jor-El and Jonathan Kent. And probably based on the passing of both of them, is my guess. And how to struggle with the two identities. Which, that was a lot of the premise of Man of Steel, but didn't do as well as this idea, probably. I got a feeling this movie is going to break my heart, because James Gunn's father also passed away very recently. So this is probably going to just rip my heart out. But I'm excited. I... I've been open on this podcast about saying Gunn's style isn't for me. Not that he's a bad director, just not my style usually. But I'm thinking he, I'm thinking that his thought process is, this is our first big movie. This cannot be fucked up. Oh yeah, I want, I want to handle this. He's, he definitely, he's got a great like vision for like how the the comic book feel of these kinds of movies, the action scenes, stuff like that. He's fantastic with it. But I fully believe that his normal sense of humor is not going to be present in this. It's going to be very different. There's there's going to be humor and lightheartedness. It's not going to be the same kind of humor as Guardians or Suicide Squad. I'd love to see a completely different tone com- like from anything he's ever done before. I'd love to see that. I, th- I think Gunn's a smart enough filmmaker to make it a different kind of tone. But I, I remember people were like, Superman Legacy? He's like 25, what's his legacy? Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> that's the legacy. <laughs> we have news about Pascal, but not Pedro. Aw. Amy Pascal. Okay. 
aka a producer for the Spider-Man films, all the Spider-Man films, she says that Across the Spider-Verse is a love story between Miles and Gwen. Ooh. Uh, nay, because that means we won't get Miles' actual love interest probably then from the comics, his famous one, uh, which is Adrian Toomes' daughter. Wait, um, that, she's their actually... love interest? Yeah. I, oh, okay, that, oh, because I was reading the the not the pre- same person as Homecoming. The movie. No, 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 no. I know that. Um, I was reading the prequel book to the Miles Morales video game, and she appeared in that, and I never heard of her before. Okay, that's oh, that's interesting. Yeah, they're like long term. Like they've been a couple for years. Okay, because the only um of all the Miles Morales comics that I had read from like the start up to a certain point, he was dating a girl that was part of Hydra. That's as far as I got with that. <laughs> Also, I like the idea that them being friends in the last movie. That was cool. I like seeing platonic just friendship. I'm down for seeing like Gwen and Miles become a couple because, like, again, it's a different universe. It's a different thing. No, but I know, but it also kind of makes it feel like more of he's just a Peter surrogate, which is going to be what we about before. Like, mainstream audiences are like, what's the difference between Miles and Peter? And if you give him Peter's love interest again, it feels a little weird. But this is a Peter's love interest that's not going to fall off a bridge. No, the last one, last one that she dated that was a lizard. That's unfortunate. I still give it a nay because I'd like to see his actual love interest on screen. That'd be cool to me. I'll give it a yay to make Sean mad. (laughs) (laughs) We have Mephisto news, Josh. Actual Mephisto news. A Mephisto special for Disney Plus starring Sasha Baron Cohen is apparently uh, rumored to be currently filming right now. Because he was cast in... He was cast in a Marvel movie... Oh, no, Ironheart, I think. As potentially Mephisto as well. Like, I was I was why he looked like he was being. So, Mephisto... You know, WandaVision... Remember that show when everyone talked about Mephisto every day? Wait, you're, tell- you're telling me he wasn't in that? He was Ralph Boner, actually. Totally. Oh. We have other Marvel news, though, Josh, that you will find interesting. We have three things. Three? For Daredevil. Maybe four. We have Ooh. Daredevil Born Again news. Yes. Numerous news pieces. First thing is that they are filming. Yay. Charlie Cox was spotted in Matt Murdock outfit like on in New York and doing stuff again. I like there's I like they're actually in New York shooting it. John Bernthal will return as the Punisher yes. in the show. And that was posted the same day that we learned that they might be recasting Foggy and Karen. Might be. We don't have confirmation we don't yet. Know. I really um, hope that they keep the characters and they keep the actors because it's the, kind of insane to not have either of them. The wording on the, the tweet, tweet that went viral about this was saying that they're not returning, but it's not, it means that they're not guaranteed to return. That's what they're trying to say. Yes, they don't have confirmation on this yet, but I, it would really be dumb of them to not bring them back if you're bringing back Charlie, Vincent, and John into their previous roles. But we also have our first actual recast, and that's with Vanessa, my Vanessa. Sandrine Holt will be playing Vanessa Fisk in Daredevil Born Again. And I love the replies on anything about this, because it's always, like, weird pictures of Fisk, like, you recast my Vanessa, no! Recastings don't generally bother me. It's weird that people are like, you see, this is is the same, this is a hard reboot. I'm like, my brother in Christ, they have recasted roles in the MCU before. Let's calm down here for a second. No, but also, they could all be very, like, it could be, this could, could be a completely different story where this is the first time we're seeing Daredevil in this universe, really. But yeah. if that was the case, then they wouldn't have used his theme in She-Hulk, though? I don't know. That show's a very meta show, anyway. 
what's going to suck about Born Again is that we're, ne- we're never going to get a scene as good as Daredevil doing the Walk of Shame. That was like the most in-character Daredevil's been in a long time, that show. I love it how how happy and like not depressed he was. And like the first set photo I saw for Daredevil Born Again, he's in he's in Manhattan. He's looking depressed. He's got his full beard. I'm like, yes, depressed Matt Murdock is back, baby. This would be fascinating. Going from I'm a really good lawyer to walk of I'll call it pride, not shame. He was not ashamed. He was that day. he was happy. And then this, his his mood has switched a few times. We have Star Wars news though, Josh, which is always a. Uh, an interesting thing to talk about. Always is. It's always the most random stuff we learn. But Patty Jenkins and Kevin Feige Star Wars films have been shelved. That is just, I feel so bad for Patty Jenkins. After, after everything with Wonder Woman and now this, I'm just like, that's that sucks. It sucks. I'm kind of curious what Kevin Feige would have done. But I'm, Michael Waldron was writing, I know that, and people are mixed on that as well. But you know what? I want to see Star Wars movies in the theater. I, so. Yeah, at, le- at least Taika's Star Wars film is still happening. That's the next news piece. Ha <laughs> beat you to Taika's, it. Taika's film is still happening, but also he says he will likely star in it. I don't think he's going to be like the lead in it. I I think it's just he'll be, have some minor role in it. He'll or maybe he is starring star- in it. Maybe it's a What We Do in the Shadows in Star Wars universe movie. He will be playing the Star War. Mm. See, that makes sense. No, he's playing the star in the title of Star Wars. Watch him put Kameka's Jar Jar. He plays Jar Jar now. I, it's Taika. I wouldn't be surprised if he does something like that. That's our Star Wars news. But Josh, you know what time it is now? W- more we're talking? More we're talking. Yes! It's time, for, it's time for the trailer time. Trailers on the back of the truck that's carrying the wheat to make the bread that movies go woo! Woo! Wheat truck time. Trailer time. Woo woo. First thing is, I will make a quick disclaimer. I have not watched this specific trailer purposefully. This is because I'm a huge fan of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So the TMNT Mutant Mayhem trailer came out, as well as a bunch of cool casting stuff. I love all the cast, by the way. Putting that right now, they're all great. Uh, I've seen the pic- a lot of pictures of the- from the trailer and a few different quick clips, but I pr- I've avoided trying to watch the trailer because I want to go in as blind as I can. But the clips I've seen, great. They sound like teenagers. I love that they actually, you know, are teenagers playing them, and they sound like younger teenagers, not like 17, 18, eight, like you know, that older side of things, like 13, 14, 15. I like that. I also loved. The style of this so much. The style. I'm so happy Spider-Verse got made, and now we can get anime movies that look like this. It looks so good. You're a fan? I am such a huge fan. I This is the first Turtles movie that I'm actually like genuinely excited for. You know what's a weird uh, movie, Josh? No. T- you don't know any weird movies? That's crazy. Uh, TMNT with Patrick Stewart as the villain. The, the 2007 movie? Yeah, Patrick Stewart's the villain in that. Did he play Shredder? No, Shredder's not in it. He's not? No. God, that's I haven't seen that movie since I saw it the first time. There are statues, Josh. Magical ancient prophecy statues. W- what? <laughs> we'll watch that one before we watch this movie. How about that? We'll do some Ninja Turtles diving before we go into the new movie. We'll watch every single Turtles movie that's ever been made. There's not a lot, actually, so that's fine. There's very few like, feature-length Turtles movies. But we have to watch the rapping Christmas special. Yes, and we have to find their weird uh, musical as well. Find, find it online. Yes. Team and Team Mutant Mayhem trailer. I give a yay because it looks cool style-wise. Again, I'm not seeing the full trailer. I'm trying to avoid it. If you're one of the racist assholes who think that April O'Neil isn't white anymore, um, she was never supposed to be white to begin with. She's based on Eastman and Laird, one of them, I don't know which one. I think it's Laird. Ace and Laird created Turtle, created the Ninja Turtles. One of them, her wife, is named April. 
and her original appearance in comics look exactly like her. And she was not, she's not a white person in real life. And the turtle character was not supposed to be white. The colors made her white. No, when they when they went to color instead of black and white comics. And that's how it started. She was never supposed to be a white person in the first place. And also, she's been black and before in, in comics. It's okay. So the lesson here is stop being racist, you morons. Yeah. Also, if they just change it to change it, who also cares? It's not a big deal. This is what we call yeah. fiction. Unless the race is in, integral to a character, which whiteness is almost never integral to a character. Not once. Uh, unless they're unless the characters themselves are racist. Right. If the characters are like Nazis, I'm like they can be white. But that's not a good that's not a good anyway, you know what I mean? Correct. This trailer is cool from what I've seen in pictures. I love it. I'm very excited. I, once again, I love that Seth Rogen is out here just being the best adapter of comic book I stuff. I was about to say, I love that Seth Rogen has now played a warthog three times. <laughs> we also got a trailer for uh, Ghosted with Chris Evans and Ande Armas. It uh, looks like Apple so TV much Plus. fun. Yeah, I love it. Like, so much. It's Chris Evans as a lead where he's not being the action star. He's like the... He is the, the straight man sidekick. here. And it's great. Yeah. He's like the useless guy being dragged along an adventure. I love it. It's it's a great subversion. Uh, Chris Evans has always been an amazing comedic talent, and I'm very excited for this. And both him and I have great chemistry together, so this is going to be fun. Except I hate the poster. Why? Because the poster gives me absolutely no indication of what the movie is. It's like she's like not lying on top of him, but it's just kind of like over him, and he's like looking at it. That's it. You don't get any kind of indication of what the story is or the tone or anything. It's just, it's there. We also got uh, our final D&D movie trailer. It's fun. <laughs> the best part is near the end with the with the dead guy. The five questions. That is, that is so clever and so funny. That's kind of how D&D as a game is, by the way. Like this game, every, every like weapon they're holding, every item they see, they're actually from the D&D books. They like, did actual research for this movie, Josh. Yeah, like, I've never done anything with D&D, but even I can tell that this is made by people that love this game. Excited. Good trailer, good fun. I'm excited for both. Yay yay on this, yay on Ghosted. Yay. We also got a trailer for No Hard Feelings with Jennifer Lawrence, and I love this trailer so much. It's, I'm so happy that Jennifer Lawrence is just doing what she wants, and what she does, what she doesn't want to do is franchises and prestigious dramas. She's just like, I want to make an early 2000s sex comedy, and I'm so thankful for that. My favorite part of the trailer is, he's my cousin, grabs boobs, second cousin. <laughs> now, my favorite part <laughs> is when the, the kid, is when the guy uh, tries to punch the guy in front of him, and he his aim is so terrible because he's so drunk, he yeah. punches her in the throat. Also fantastic. I guess the movie is funny the entire time. I thought her saying second cousin was a, was a hilarious line. It's, it's so funny. It, this is from the director of Good Boys. If you haven't seen that, amazingly funny movie, so I'm very excited for this. The whole movie's about anal beads. <laughs> oh god this is a fun time we also got a trailer for renovations which josh did not watch uh this trailer i watched this trailer for one reason and it was support the injured jeremy renner this looks boring for me but exciting for other people yeah like, like I, I i've never been someone that's cared about like renovation shows and stuff like that but you know what i'm happy for him he he clearly did this because he likes it and i'm i'm happy for him also, Josh, we got a Little Mermaid trailer during the Oscars, which is a weird time to air. Like, that's an odd thing I, to me. I hated that. I no. love this trailer, though, so much. 
I, the trailer isn't bad, but god damn it, I hate I hate how bland it looks. I god <laughs> what looks gorgeous. No, <laughs> it's a little floaty, but it's based on a cartoon. I like the idea of taking that cartoony style with it. I don't see cartoony style. I see bland direction. <laughs> Halle Bailey is great in this too, and her voice is stunning. Oh yeah, if there's um, one, if there's one reason to see the movie, it's for her. I will say, Josh, there is more color than there was before. Yes, like there color. is more color, but I just have a feeling that it's just gonna follow the original like to a T, and it's gonna be to the detriment of the movie. Seeing Sebastian the crab, he's and, not supposed and, to be a crab. He's supposed to be a lobster. That's not true. He always was a crab. What? He was always been a crab the entire time. Have I been lied to my whole life? The, the, yes. The cartoonist just didn't know how to draw a crab look and make him look fun, so he didn't make him weird proportions. Son of a bitch. So it's it was really funny seeing him actually anatomically correct. But also besides the weird, it was Mr. Crab Eyes. I didn't like that. Why? Why, why, why are they just real animals? Why do they keep doing this? No one cares if they look realistic. Just make them look like their cartoon counterparts, but more realistic. Why do they keep doing this? But Josh, our last trailer involves a show Barry, which you've watched. Okay, I'll give. Okay, that makes me more happy. There's a teaser for the the final season of Barry came out. Uh, I've not watched a teaser because I didn't feel like Josh would get mad at me if I watched a teaser. Oh, I would get very mad. It, it lot spoilers. But you've watched this teaser, right? I watched it. I'm so excited. It's only about a minute long. Uh, if you like the Barry, you like the teaser probably. The poster looks cool. I love I love this final poster they have. Like this, this red door or whatever. It's, it's yeah. so good. Uh, Barry is one of my favorite shows of all time. It's an amazing dark comedy. Bill Hader co- co-created it and directs a lot of it. He is just amazing throughout the whole thing. It is so, 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 so good. And we have two more pieces of new. So you give me a yay on that, the Barry stuff? <laughs> oh, very much so. And I give you a yay in the Little Mermaid trailer. You might give him a nay, but fuck you. I'll give it a passive yay. Uh, we have two last pieces of news. Let's get into Tarantino is making his currently his last film, which is number 10, which is always said he'll do 10 films and then be done. Um, which I respect that idea a lot. But I respect it, film... but I don't, I've, that's just, I don't know. I feel like, and with, the, with what his movie is, at least what it's yeah. called, the movie critic. Which Not is the news. It's called, different. It's called the movie critic. It, it's called the movie critic. It follows a female lead in the 1970s in LA. Filming begins this fall. I'm just. Top... I, I'm so worried that this is going to be like the most like filmmaker just tearing apart the idea of critics that has ever been seen on film. That's what kind of has me worried. The top reply says, "Already better than everything everywhere all at mid." Oh, people. People love Tarantino way too much. I'm not saying that Tarantino's films, or I'm not saying that you're bad for liking them, or or it's not good to like these films. They're not for me. I have seen three of his films so far and have not loved any of them and find him pretentious. Also really creepy. Yeah. But that's, yeah. I think he was a nay because I don't want to watch Tarantino's films. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a yay because I am curious if this is somehow just a like straight up drama like no action no nothing like that I will honestly be very fascinated by that. And our last news piece is the best part, better than anything Tarantino's ever done. We're getting a good burger too. 
the world uh, is starting to be right again. Ah, <laughs> uh, yay. This is so fun. Seeing Cal start, welcome to Goo Burger, uh, home of the Goo Burger can I take your order. That made me so happy. I, it's so clear that these two loved, loved doing that back when they were kids, and they're very excited to do it again, so I am very excited for it. Yay your name on the Good Burger 2 announcement. Oh, I'll give it a hard yay. We are now on to our first main topic, and that is the Oscars. A weirdly which... good Oscars. <laughs> Let's break some stuff down. Nominees overall, are you okay with the wins we got? For the, the most mo- for the most part, I would say yes. I still haven't seen All Quiet on the Western Front, so I'll I can't obviously judge its wins, but overall, I would say yes. All Quiet on the Western Front winning best score hurt me because it's like yeah. three like it's like three chords like bum 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 a bunch of times and that's it. Like I'm willing to bet that it is, that it works for the movie, but like. How do you not immediately give the score to Babylon? Just listen to Voodoo Mama, and you will instantly want that film to have all the awards. Without the context of that being the name of a song, that's really funny to me. Just listen. listen go to listen, our... go listen to Voodoo Mama. She'll tell you all about it. <laughs> I actually think All Quiet Western Front's score does not help the film in any way ever. It actually hurts the film. Interesting. I, I was watching the film like this is not fit most of the almost ever for me. Best Actor Award went to Brendan Fraser for The Whale. Yes! Not to, not to from RR won Best Original Song. I'm so happy by that. Everything, Everyone, All at Once won Best Picture, Best Editing, uh, Best Directing, uh, Best Original Screenplay, and of course, numerous and three acting awards, which we'll get to in a second. So, yay. I w- every, one, every win that I got, I was so happy. Avatar Way of Water won Best Visual Effects. I would have laughed my ass off if some, if like Top Gun Maverick had won it because Top Gun's effects are also very good. But I just would imagine like Cameron just like sitting at home being like, "That should have been my award." Best PD went to All Quiet on the Western Front. That's fine. I I can get behind that. Wakanda Forever won Best Costume Design, as it should. But yeah, Best Editing was everything ever all at once. And the cool part about that to me was it was literally five editors who were self-taught from YouTube, which is and, insane. And they use Premiere the whole time, and I would hate using Premiere the whole time for that movie. The amount of crashing uh, that probably happened. Oh, God. Women Talking won Best Adapted Screenplay. It, I understand that. I see the movie. It's it's a good... Um, it's a hard-to-watch movie, but it's a good movie. The Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio won Best Animated Feature. Very happy. Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't Puss in Boots, Josh. I'm so sorry. Oh, I would. I wanted Pinocchio to be Puss in Boots. Love Puss in Boots, but Pinocchio was my pick. I'm glad it wasn't the Sea Beast. That movie was just fine to me. Top Gun Maverick won Best Sound. Cool. Yeah. The Whale won Best Makeup and Hairstyling. Kind of against that, but it's fine. I don't I haven't watched any of the documentaries or the short films this year. I, I try watching the short. I tried finding short films online. I couldn't find most of them, honestly. Yeah, I didn't. See, I didn't see any of those either. Then we get to our acting awards for everything ever all at once with Ki Hui Kwan winning Best Supporting Actor. God, and I love I love his acceptance speech. When he said, "Look, Mom, I want just won an Oscar," I started crying. Oh, same. Because you all know Josh and I are filmmakers, and that moment of pure like I I didn't fail, I made it. That that pure emotion broke me, and I have watched that speech a dozen times since then. That's incredible. And of course, we have Michelle Yeoh becoming the second woman of color ever in 95 years to win Best Actress. 
That no, that's that number needs to be a lot higher. Halle Berry and her are the only two, which oof, oof indeed. But we also have, um, for best international feature film, All Quiet on the Western Front, which I watched the movie dubbed in English. You could watch it subbed, um, and about half, about you know twenty minutes in, I'm like their lips, that's not in sync, is it? <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. I didn't realize that first time I was first watching it. I was like made in German. Because Netflix automatically dubs a lot of things for you if you don't if you don't know. So that was interesting. Then we get to probably the most controversial category of the whole night, which was Best Supporting Actress. So look, Jamie Lee Curtis's win. I was I'm glad that in general Jamie Lee Curtis has won an Oscar. I like that idea. She should not have won this year. No, and I and I thought about this a lot. Um, obviously, I would Usually. rather I would rather have Angela or Stephanie win because I think they both give b- more "quote unquote" Oscar worthy performances, and like her performance and everything was not bad at all. But I think it. I personally believe she won not just because like you know her name on the ballot, but she's the only one from that category I saw like really actively campaigning. You know, this award season, like aside from. Aside from, like, Key and Michelle, like, she was actively out there, like, campaigning for the movie, and everyone else kind of really wasn't. I think part of it is also a lot of Academy voters do not watch the movies. Oh, no. You look at the anonymous, like, Oscar ballot people that they – because that gets published every year. They are – awful <laughs> they're just like and, oh yeah i heard my kids like this so i'm gonna vote for that and i never heard of this person so i'm not gonna vote for them I'm just like what <laughs> right and they, they might a lot of them will be like oh we have a white one in this ballot let's go for that one because the racism is still very present in this industry and it feels like okay we can't have be we can't have them win every award category we can't have the asian people win all of them let's give a white person one of them i guess so stupid that's how it's kind of a little bit of the vibe also nepotism is a thing very much still. I think she's a great person. I think Jamie Lee Curtis is a good human being from all accounts. I just think that Stephanie, she wasn't even the best supporting actress in that movie. Stephanie Hsu was. Have you seen Stephanie Hsu's, like, audition? Oh, yeah. She's fucking fantastic. She was asked to, can you just sing about the bagel? And she made that up on the spot, the stuff. That was great. Yeah, I I think Angela Bassett was also great. But I think Jamie Lee Curtis' win is equal to about if Judd Hirsch won for the Fablemans. Because it's just like, you're in like a few scenes, there's not a lot of screen time you really have. It wasn't wouldn't really deserve that for supporting actor to me. Nah, to, to me it's equal to when Brad Pitt won for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Because he won for Best also Supporting fair. Actor for that. And I was just I, I was just like, really? Like, it's not a yep. bad performance, but it is not an Oscar-worthy performance. Like, he beat I, Tom Hanks as Mr. Rogers. Yeah, I, I fully agree with you on that one. Even so, it's not the right pick. No. But I think overall, having everybody overall at once win six awards made me really happy. It won seeing seven. Seven awards, my bad. Seeing Daniel <laughs> Sh- what? Are you counting two different directors? Is that why? No, Best Picture, Director, Writing, Editing, Actor, Supporting Actress, and Supporting Actor. That's seven. Yeah, you're right. Math, it's hard. Uh, I love seeing Daniel Shiner say helping to say that drag isn't a problem and a threat to no one. That was great. I love seeing, hearing Daniel Kwan talk about growing up and trying to be in the industry as an Asian man. And also, it, it was, this is an incredible... Everyone for that movie had incredible speeches. Yeah. like And it was so personal for all of them. And I really love that. 
I have no thoughts besides yay mostly overall. Overall, the the I, I give I give a yay overall, but I'm I'm scared for next year because if this year was as good as it was with its choices of winners, next year is gonna be awful. I really though wish that um the main kid from the Fablemans was nominated for best actor. Uh, he sh- he should have been nominated for best actor. Michelle Williams should have been nominated for supporting actress instead of uh supporting uh and not supporting yes. instead of lead actress. I agree with that. She shouldn't have won. She wouldn't win the best supporting actress. Still, I think it should have still been Angela or Stephanie. She she wouldn't have won, but she would have had much stronger chances because she was going up against just Kate Blanchett and Michelle Yeoh alone. Kate Blanchett was also amazing in Tar. She was so good. When I saw it, I was just like, "Oh, Michelle could lose to her." Oh no. Yeah, personally, my choice for best actor this year would have been, if nominated, the Fableman's actor. But Brendan Fraser, I'm seeing his wholesome, his happiness and pure joy was also fantastic. Uh, he was so good in the whale. I was just like, God, I hope he wins. I I would be very, if Austin Butler had won, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been mad, but I would have been disappointed because that just is the safe option. Elvis won nothing. I've, I'm not, I hate. I hate saying it because it makes me sound like that. I hate the people that worked on it, but I'm happy that even the Academy can recognize that like maybe music biopic shouldn't always win stuff, but then it it's makes me mad that like rocket man didn't get nominated for anything aside from song when that came out. It also kind of sucks that stuff like the Batman's overlooked because it's a comic book movie, but even people like Roger Deakins said it was the best cinematography it's, of the year. It's such a double standard. I, I hate it. And I think the only reason Black Panther got nominated was just because of how much of the popular the zeitgeist it was in. I mean, uh, yeah, it also made an impact for a lot of people. So, oh I, no, I, I know, it. I know it did, but but like Batman, you know, was talked about quite a lot since then. But yeah, it's it's annoying. I also hate how Kimmel made the "keep your hands to yourself" joke. Just, the Oscars. I I knew there was gonna be slap jokes i knew it i'm just like it's that's not, just that's low-hanging fruit it's not even good low-hanging fruit it's not like an apple or yeah it's pretty bad fruit uh it's not an apple also, it's a potato i also like that i i hate that kimmel asked malala who was there supporting her film for what she's been through and what how much she's supporting hey did chris pine sp- uh did harry styles spit on chris pine know your audience know who you're talking to and who she what she's been through just Not like the, the, the last thing she would care about is that. <laughs> and then her response was so dignified and great. I only talk about peace. That was great. Kimmel is not funny to me almost ever. When it when it's like, like the scripted stuff, um, then it can work. When he when he has to improvise stuff like that, I'm just like, this ain't funny, dude. But that was the Oscars, Josh. Far better than I expected. You think so? Yes, because I was going to stop watching it um, altogether just to watch The Last of Us season finale, which was at the same time. I love how many people watched the Oscars for the first hour, left to watch The Last of Us, and then came back to finish the Oscars. <laughs> yeah. That was pretty hilarious to me. But now, Josh, it is time for our final topic. Are you ready for this? Oh, I'm so ready for this. So, Josh, take it away. Alrighty, so the reason I am talking about this is because I love The Last of Us. Not just the show, but the games as well. As Sean annoyingly knows, I love it very much. So I ask if I could lead this segment because I just love talking about it. And because I have had more experience with the story and characters and stuff, I wanted to ask Sean more about what his experience was like for the first time experiencing the story. So we're going to kind of 
break the whole season down, go like episode by episode, just kind of talk about what we liked, didn't like, any kind of stuff like that, and give our overall impressions. We will not be going talking about season two stuff. I know I won't because I know everything. He barely knows anything, and I wanted to stay as spoiler-free as possible. But we're going to go episode by episode, and we'll give our impressions first so that way there's no spoilers. Then we'll go... Um, through every episode and that will be your spoiler warning if you haven't caught up with it you'll be able to skip around go to all the timestamps and stuff and yeah just general fun vibes so sean the last of us you've seen it all it's sad it is is that your overall impression of it uh my dad i want to talk about this first I, my dad and i are both watching it he was watching it on his own like, we're having phone calls after each episode like a day after about the show um his thoughts were almost always opposite of mine. Like, he usually liked it, but it had a complete opposite reaction to the episodes. Interesting. He thought, he thought it was overall a very uplifting and hopeful show. Like, every episode was like, he felt it because of the idea of, I will do anything to protect, protect this person, kind of at drive. That's like a, a motivational, kind of inspiring idea, especially to him as a father of four. Like, he really liked resonating with a lot of what Joel does, despite being who Joel is and what he, you know, what he goes through. My dad was like, loves the idea of someone who will do anything for someone else no matter what and that was cool to see um but i'm like i wouldn't call a show uplifting personally <laughs> like there's moments but the world's kind of shitty i loved it i love the performances i think pedro and bella were both incredible i think and torp was amazing and we'll get into performances more specifically with things um henry sam uh you know everyone pierce uh perry actor pierce who was you know tommy and stuff he was great uh, Kathleen was great. Like everyone did a great job in performances. I'll talk about some specifics later on, but I overall had a really good time and I was really invested in watching this. Unfortunately, I could win the show knowing some things about the second game already, as well as some things about how this one ends a little bit. So I'm like, I know some of the tension is lost at certain points for me when I know some specific things. Does that make sense? Yes. I won't get into what I know or don't know because that's not fun. Correct. Overall, I am very glad I could I got to watch this when I did and how I did. And Josh and I have joked about before how I'm the control group on the show for this season. Yep. Because we had the one who has seen it all and can will judge that way. Um, it's like if I had Josh and I watched the last Airbender the first time, but he hadn't seen the show. It's kind of like he's seen the show. My point is, if we did something like that, he'd be the control group reacting to it as, as a movie, etc. Yes. Which also not a great movie. Um, no. <laughs> I really love the removal of spores. I know people got mad at that play the game, but I think because of how spores actually work in real life, that wouldn't make sense. Yeah. Like, I guess it's it's cool, the idea of having Ellie not wear a mask wherever else it is. I'm, I'm guessing that's how the game works, as my assumption. Yes. Okay. I, I'm glad, I guess that's probably a cool idea to see visually, but also it, it makes more sense here to not have that. And the tendrils are also really creepy. Yeah, and that that's that's what I really appreciate it as someone that has consumed this game for almost a decade and just play it over and over and over again i've very much went into this with the mindset of like this is an adaptation and if it gets anything wrong i will burn things and very very thankfully this gets everything right and then some 
I was uh, I was so happy with the changes and the additions that they made because the co- the creator of this Craig Mazin who co-created with Neil Druckmann were very much like we gotta do this right if we don't do this right we're both dead and they did such an amazing job. One thing I think is pretty funny is that there are some race swapping in this show, uh, which I'm not against. I'll get this one second. I'm saying that I think it's interesting because there are racist people online. Of course, naturally, who hate that they made Sarah a black girl instead of a white girl, stuff like that. Uh, but what I think it's interesting is this show actually makes the Millers an anti-racist family by having all of them date black women, <laughs> even I, down to, yeah. to uh, Ellie. Like everyone is interested in other races and openly to everyone around them. Like they make a conscious effort to make the Miller family an anti-racist family. Which is just staking it to racist people even more. And I like that small detail. I, I love that the racists are still trying to be like, ah, oh, this show is too woke. And all the, like, the homophobes are like, this show is too woke. I'm just like, it has been like this ever since the first game came out. What is with you people? I think it's funny how many people missed partner and what it meant in the game, apparently, for, uh, you know, Frank. The, the amount of people that are so brain-dead when it comes to cinema literacy shocks me. Because even at 14, when I first played the game, I got what they were doing. So, do you want to go through the episodes, Josh? Yes. So, episode one, it is a big one. It is movie length. It's about an hour and a half. And boy, howdy, does it... Is it a doozy? Uh, you start. I want to hear what you You know... So, as someone that uh, that has played the game a lot, I was very curious to see how they were going to do it, because the game basically just kind of starts out at night, we're with Sarah, we play as her, and we kind of see the end of the world from her perspective. And that does happen here, but the episode actually kind of starts out in the 60s on this television show talking about what cordyceps are, and it was a very interesting way of getting across this idea of that this is not a zombie thing. It's not a zombie infection like we normally think of. It's a very real thing, and it makes it even more terrifying. And then we cut, you know, to the future, and we follow Sarah, but we actually get to see her life and other things and get more of a sense of the family bond between her dad and her Uncle Tommy, and I really love that. And man, when... And again, we're going full spoilers for every episode, so there are timestamps down below. Um, if you listen, if you listen to this and you've not seen episode one yet, I'm sorry. Go watch the show, or if you don't care, <laughs> then that's on you. Um, when when it gets to Sarah's death, man, that that hurts just as much as when it happened for the first time when I played the game. I was heartbroken. I was crushed. It, man, Pe- Pedro and Pe- Pedro and Nico are so good, and that that broke me. And then Tommy, help me. Ah. Uh, I hate that he improvised that because it's so good. And then just, uh, Joel, that just hurts. But I want to talk about that opening you brought up because that opening is incredible. That talk show beginning is amazing and a brilliant way to showcase this world because that whole, that's uh, like snarky, we lose. And then the dead silence afterward is incredible. But amazing opening. I loved that. I love the details. I love even just the way the lighting felt like the right aesthetic for it. Mm-hmm. It was really well done. The one one change in the game is they changed it from 2013 to 2003, which also means, Josh, Return of the King hadn't come out yet. That is so disappointing. The world so had they got, they could got, see it. 
Yeah, they got the first two moves in the trilogy. That's a big oof right there. Later, that, a few months later, we, were, we they would have gotten Return of the King. That's a shame. That's that's the biggest takeaway from the whole show, honestly. <laughs> uh, but in all honesty, this was a great first episode. Uh, the first like half hour was absolutely incredible. I love the watch detail. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that once Sarah dies and he that's when he rolls and breaks his watch. That's when time stops for him. Mm-hmm. And that's a really cool like thing. And I, I know some people are like. They copied Doctor Strange, which I actually read someone say. I'm just like, if I, if I hear shit like that, I'm like, please go outside and touch grass. My god. I'm like, that's not... Uh, okay. Yes, you can use the same, the same theme or thematic device in two different things. It's okay. Yeah, and the the broken watch is in the game, you dunderheads. It's which, it's used for the same effect. Great, great choice there. Um, The idea of their neighbors, uh, creepy grandma or old woman great moment in the background mm-hmm. this is one of those shows like much like watching screen movies for me i'm always looking behind people yeah and i think they do a great job with that i love the detail of not e- eating pancakes not getting the cake uh not eating the cookies made by made for them or the biscuits they do such a good job of pointing out what of how they stayed safe without, without the audience even knowing how yet mm-hmm. i love that detail I love the fact that in class that day, there was a kid twitching in front of her. Oh, I never noticed that. Yeah. If you watch, that, if you watch the first episode again, there's like, like, she's sitting in class, there's a kid, but two seats in front of her diagonally, whose arm starts randomly twitching a bunch. Oh, and that's, she's that's looking cool. at it weirdly, and that's it. Yeah. There's so many small details like that I really love. I've watched this episode so many times. Yeah, I've only seen it twice, but it's such a great opening. And I was listening to the podcast for for the show, and Craig Mason was talking about how this wasn't supposed to be like an hour and a half. It was originally two episodes. That's why the season total is only nine. And then HBO, you know, saw because the first episode was supposed to end with Sarah's death. We flash forward, and then we have Joel burning the kid, and then we like see Ellie in the window, and then that's it. That's where the episode ends. And HBO was just like. I mean, it's it's good, but I don't know if it's going to compel people to come back. And they're like, all right, we'll put the, the first two episodes together as one big thing. And I think that was a brilliant move. Yes, it is. that. It's great. It's fantastic. I really love how much of an effort the show makes a distinction that this isn't like zombies. They don't, you know, go up. They don't eat people because that's not how a fungal infection works. And it's very clear about this from the get go. All the, all it's trying to do is spread itself, and it'll do that by like biting people, um, using the tendril things that come out of their mouths to spread it, which is a great creepy addition. I loved it. There's a lot of different ways to go about it, but they are never eating people. They're never doing that. That's why people keep referring to them as infected, and I love that. Right, it's one bite. It's not consuming them. I love that the the time jump of 20 years later. When I played the game for the first time and I saw that, I was just like, oh my god, that's so cool! The first, the first episode is pretty long, I'd say, Josh. It's long, but it's paced out so well that you don't feel the length, and you uh, and you want to see more, which is great. That's a sign that you've made something good. I'll fast forward to, to the end. We, we meet Ellie, played by Bella Ramsey, who is just absolutely incredible she is so good as this character and i i want to see everything that bella does in the future 
And I still love her first interaction with Joel is Joel, like, she tries to stab him, and she he just, like, body slams her into a wall, which I just think is really funny. I agree. Um, so Ellie is a girl who, this is pretty much discovered in the first episode. Um, so she's, seems to be immune. I'm saying it seems to be, that's, like, episode one for that out. She has, inf- she, they have little monitors that scan for infected or not, they turn red or green, red for infected, green for not. Uh, and they tested on her, and she is still says that she's infected. So the group called the Fireflies, which are a rebellion group fighting Fedra, which are the government. The Fireflies want to bring her out west to potentially try and meet some doctors, and make a cure. That's like the basis of the whole show. In the, tw- in the future, in the twenty years later, in our new current timeline, Joel has a girlfriend. Partner is a better word to use. Uh, not like a romantic partner, but there's been some history there. Named Tess, played by Anna Torf, who's amazing, by the way. This is this is a case of like adapting a character in a similar way, but also making it their own, and it works so well. Because I see Tess, but I see a different version of her. But it doesn't, you know, make the gamer in me mad. That it's like that's not exactly how it is because it's a very interesting character nonetheless, and we'll see more of that as the show goes on. Any final thoughts on the first episode, Josh? You think? I'm trying to think of anything. Good good indeed i was so happy with this and as soon as the episode ended i'm like i want it all now give it to me now i was as <laughs> so, the first episode and i'm like the show's in good hands i have no fears whatsoever or were you mad that peter pascal didn't have a full beard like people were mad about that <laughs> that was like my one thing i was just like pedro's great but he doesn't have a full beard and I, now i'm just <laughs> like now i'm like i really don't care at all he's great or people were complaining that bella's ponytail was too high so it didn't have the little bangs in her face it's like, like who cares okay okay um, we got we got we gotta move quick on this episode two we get the clicky boys they click a lot they're creepy explain that josh so there's different stages of the infection the you got the first stage where you run a lot you bite a lot and then you once once time once enough time has passed the infection takes over you more and more and eventually the fungus will sprout out your head split it open you just got a giant fungal thing and you become blind and because of that you start clicking a lot so you can see a lot and boy howdy is it creepy the different things they built for this show were incredible. The production design of making these trucks and cars look, you know, overgrown and stuff was really cool. And this episode two was really cool because we get to see how Ellie interacts with Joel and Tess and how really she is just an angsty, sassy teen. Yep. That's that's all she is as, as her heart because she's so defensive and she has reason to be. She's great. It's it's um, it's so good. And this one, it's not as good as the first episode, but that's not no. a bad thing either. This one is more so. Kind of from kind of from Ellie's perspective, because this is her first time outside the walls and really seeing what the world was like. So a lot of it is her asking, you know, questions like, oh, like, how did, is this where they bomb the cities? And like, what um, are there like infected that they that are blind? They can see like bats and stuff like that. So it's works for her character, but also works for us of learning more about this world. And I thought that was really cool. You bring up bombing. Well, let's talk about the opening scene in this the right. opening sequence. The opening. So this is the second episode where we get something that wasn't from the game. And it opens in, I forgot what the country is, but this is where the... Jakarta, inf- Indonesia. Yes, in Indonesia. Um, this is where the infection started. And it started at a place that, you know, uses wheat in a factory. And from there, that's where the infection starts spreading. You have a infection specialist. I forgot what the name is. 
and she's just like, <laughs> you know what I mean. She's she understands. She studies this stuff, and because of that, she sees an affected person who's who's been shot dead, and she's just like, oh, how many more? Oh, there are others. Oh yeah, we're screwed. Um, you got a bomb, bomb everything. It's it the so it's the only me. way. <laughs> she, when they asked, how, can we get a vaccine? Is anything we can do? Because she doesn't study infection. She studies like mushrooms and a fungus. Yes. Uh, so she's been studying cordyceps her entire life, which is the thing that caused the infection. And she literally tells him, "Bomb," at one word, and it was so chilling. And they she's like bomb everything and everyone in the city. And then she's crying and asking, "Can I be my family before you know for the end of it?" And it was that was great. That was really great. It was it was very good. And then of course we flash forward and Ellie is like, "Is this where they did the bombings?" Because it wasn't just there; it was everywhere. And they talk about how they that how they bombed a lot of like the most major cities in the world, which again makes sense. The highest population to try to stop the spread. Obviously, it didn't work. No, it did not. Uh, they did say it worked some places more than others, and it, it worked here okay. Because, to be fair, there are people still left here. Yes. This is to be the weakest episode of all the series, to, personally. I can understand that. In terms of moving the plot forward, it's only, like, a small bit. But it is important, still, because they encounter the clickers. Clickers are very creepy. It's a great scene. But, because of that, they get confirmation that Ellie is, in fact, uh, immune from it. Because she gets bitten again, and she's just like... Oh, you gotta be kidding me again and she's just like well if it happened to one of us i guess it had to be me um but then tess is also been and we don't know this until it is revealed that she is but it is such well, it's, how all, it's how all stories work josh yes things get revealed at different points it's weird but she she reveals that she's been and what i love about this because this is a change from the games the games i believe it's like you turn in like two two days or something like that it's a much Again, longer spoiler a general word. if he says mention if he mentions the games skip for like 10 seconds guys because if you don't want to keep it spoiled yes but in the games it's a much longer frame of time before someone gets infected here at the first episode there's a chart that shows the where you get bitten can determine how many hours you have before you turn like the leg i think it's like a few hours arm it's like maybe an hour if it's like the neck area you got maybe less than an hour before you turn right so it's based on your brain so it makes sense yeah closer you are to the brain the quicker you'll become infected that was cool so they made it to the firefly base after they got the clickers and it's empty they're all dead they're all dead because someone got infected you said in the, in the game before, I was military who were chasing them there and killed them, right? Yes, this is the this has always been the weird thing from it. They show up at the base and they're all dead, but there's never an indication of who killed them. And then then the military show up after, so it wasn't them. So I have no idea what was up with that. But here they actually make it work, and the military isn't chasing them this time, which I greatly prefer that. And this is when it, this is the point where Tessa reveals she's infected on the shoulder. After Ellie's like, "Oh fuck, she's infected," because she figures it out first, realizing her behavior is frantic and weird. Mm-hmm. And I love the small details of like the second we she actually gets infected. The rest of the episode, she's incredibly tense, trying to rush to get there. You know, being headstrong is like we we have to get her as fast as possible because she believes that Ellie is the key. And now Joel has once again lost someone that he cares about. You can tell that he's that he didn't purposely try to get into a relationship type thing, but you can tell that he does care about her. And he's just like, 
and he's very saddened by this, but he's, you know, built up this gruff exterior to himself that he's trying to hide it. But because Pedro is such a damn good actor, you can just see it in his eyes, and it's so good. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Right, because she even brings up how I'd never asked any of you not to feel the way I felt etc. So she likes him and he likes her probably but she can't but he can't reciprocate it. But I love the detail of like how Anator plays Tess in this episode. Mm-hmm. How she, her entire demeanor switches. It's great. It's so good. Well, Let's talk about the uh, costuming and, and makeup of the clicker though. <laughs> I'm so happy they went practical. It's amazing right? It's so good. Personally uh, I would be scared. Oh I would be horrified. Also, they had like the Quiet Place monsters as like my girlfriend said. I'm like, yes, but this came first. Yes, so Quiet Place stole from this. Stole, inspired, whatever. It's all film, art, games, whatever. But I also love the test takes some agency in this scene because there's a new thing in this in the games, right? Of the neural network for the infected. Yes, the neural network was not a thing in the game. Uh, this is one of the changes they made, where basically if you like step over a fungal vine or something like that, then it could be felt for for miles by the other infected, and it will rush to wherever it is. Which is a really cool idea. Yes, terrifying and idea. It, it comes up almost never again. But I think really? that I think that in the second season they'll probably use it a lot more. Okay. But I, I like it a lot. I think it was really cool that mycelial, mycelial network, I think it's what officially called fungus. But it was really cool seeing that, and I really loved that. 
Tess sacrifices herself, blows the place the kingdom come, and it's a great way to end the episode. But first, Tess makes Joel promise just to take Ellie somewhere safe. Tell, take her to Bill and Frank, which is their friend who sends them codes. Yes. Because they all know what to do with her. And this is how we segue into episode three. The episode, the best episode, and the one that is the most different from the game. And the one that is probably my favorite episode of, TV show, of a TV show I've seen in a very long time. Basically, this episode is not is really about gay. Joel and Ellie. It's very gay because it is about a man named Bill, played by Nick Offerman and Frank. And it is basically just a love story between the two of them. That's it. That's all it is. And it's so good. I, I think it was my favorite episode. I don't want to dive into this too, too much because we could be here all day, but this one episode. Yes, we can go on for hours. But Mur Murray Bartlett, who plays Frank, he's amazing. Nick Offerman easily his best performance they have amazing chemistry together it's such a great love story and it the way it ends i cry every time it's so good but god what a great episode i'm old i'm satisfied oh i wasn't scared until you came into my life strawberries josh ah his his laugh the nick offerman laugh and that moment of like call joel he'll know he'll help you he'll protect you when he thinks he's gonna die, that's so powerful. The the letter at the end. Ah, uh, this is this is what we mean. We could keep going forever, but we don't have the time. The probably him having ALS was horrendous to watch, and it's so sad. And they get that they had to have an actual happy full love story. And yeah, people are like it's a sad ending because they die at the end. Everyone dies in all of life. They they literally die as old men. <laughs> they they didn't get infected. They had the best case scenario possible in this apocalypse. Yes, this is they, this is what Neil Druckmann meant by this is the happy episode. And we're not condoning suicide. It's not, we're not like advocating for suicide. We're saying that at the end, in this specific context of this specific world, where one of them is literally dying from an illness that will kill him anyway or, or make him debilitated, instead letting let them go on their own terms or, or be bitten or raped or murdered by raiders, this is the best scenario possible. And they're going to live a full life together as a pretty much a married couple and they, they get married at the end it's so nice and the the music choice during his during frank's last day is the same song is the same music from the beginning of arrival and that just broke my heart even more it's an i forgot what the song is called but it's amazing i love that you associate famous like classical music with arrival instead of like the actual composers and stuff i don't think it's classical i think it was a re a somewhat recent piece of music was it actually i thought well, it was Classical is a style, not like time well, period. Whatever, we can't go too much into these. Okay, episode four. Wait, hold on one second, Josh, before you get there. Ah! We have to talk. There's important things in this quote we didn't touch on yet. They get a truck. Joel and, <laughs> Joel and Ellie arrive. They find them dead. Oh no! Ellie getting a Ellie finds a gun after being told no repeatedly. She she really uh, wants a gun. Joel's like, no, no, you're a child. No, no. Which I have seen numerous reactions and stuff, and or like people on, online saying that. Why is she so, like, gun-hungry? Why is she care so much? It's creepy. It's weird. Like, no, no, no. It's to prove that she is trusted. That's yes. literally all she wants. All she wants is Joel to say, yes, I trust you with this weapon, knowing that you, I won't hurt you. That's literally it. I yes. trust you to protect me. It's not about her wanting to shoot people. She's intrigued by violence early on when Joel protects her. But that's because she's being protected because someone's going out of the way to help her. That's what that's about. Yes. Not because, oh, look, pain. Pain. <laughs> episode four episode four they their truck crashes immediately 
Although I will say that at this, I looked at the map. They have driven for like 200, 300 miles long. It's been a far drive still. Yes. So they, they got um, some good distance. Episode four, we get to see a porn book. Yes, the famous scene from the game. I'm so happy they put it in. It's great. This is this is another episode where I'm like, this is this is really good. I love the. It's got some great moments. It's not the strongest one for me, but I really liked it. I especially loved. This is again another big change from the game. Is the mo is the first time that Ellie basically hurts another person, and it's when they get attacked. They're going into Kansas City. Their truck gets attacked by people from the city. And they don't know who they are, and they crash. And Joel, because he is deaf in one ear, which we'll uh, learn about later, or mostly deaf, yeah, mo mostly deaf. Um, he doesn't hear a person come up behind him. He gets attacked, and then Ellie pops out of hiding and shoots the guy. And this is like the guy's like starts to like beg for his life and other things like that. And then he shouts for his mom. Yeah, it gets it, it gets oh. dark. Joel stabs him as she goes away. But this is a change from the game because in the game they're. They're going through a hotel. Joel's getting attacked by someone, and then Ellie um, finds them and then kills the guy. And Joel kind of goes like, uh, why didn't you listen to me? Stay where you are, blah, 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 that whole kind of thing. And Ellie's just like, dude, I protected you. You'd be dead without me, like, not listening to you. It's a very kind of, like, uh, parent thing. Like, you should have listened to me um, instead of getting yourself into danger. But here, Joel recognizes that Ellie is not comfortable with what just happened, and it's, like, she's clearly is not feeling the right kind of emotions. And so he's just like, basically goes like, thank you for doing what you did, but you shouldn't have had to do that. Um, that shouldn't be I what you it, had to do. I think it would have been really fine either way, but I like it a lot too. Yeah. And um, then, and then he, and then he gives her a gun and he teaches her how to like, you know, properly hold it and use it because he's like, he recognizes this is only for emergencies. Don't use this, but here's how to use it. If you have to, I also think it's a little odd to me. That uh, he doesn't ask her how he got how she got her gun. But well, again, that's another thing because he recognizes that that's not what's important in this moment. Right. It was cool. Good episode, mostly. We got to see uh, Pierce, who played Tommy in the game in this episode. Yes, Jeffrey Pierce. Love love that man. He's great in this. And we get a new character, Kathleen. She is the leader of the resistance in the Kansas City uh, quarantine zone. Kathleen sounds like Umbridge to me. She's too sweet. But that's that's what I love about her. She's got this kind of like motherly kind uh -huh. of like presence about her, and the, it just has a darkness inside of her. It's so cool. I like this episode for the most part a lot. It's mostly just a Joel and Ellie bonding episode, honestly, and trying to avoid being captured. Yeah, pretty much. Kathleen is the one of the cues that you said. She wants a boy named or someone named Henry. We have no idea why at this point, but she's very adamant about it. Yes. She also ignores what looks like it'd be a sinkhole at first. Uh, after being pointed out, but a sinkhole starts moving, which is unusual for sinkholes. Sinkholes shouldn't uh, move. No. And, they, and then she's like, we'll get to it after. Henry's not my seventh priority, Perry. Is he your seventh priority? I'm like, maybe. <laughs> like, I don't I don't know this dude. It's fine if he is. I, this was my second least, least for episode for me. I, I thought it was good. And it's not a plot problem. I think it's not, people call it filler. I don't think people know what filler means because it's not that. They really don't. Uh, like, just because the plot isn't moving forward doesn't mean it's that it's a filler episode. It's moving character forward. Yes. Also, plot does move forward. It's not in the way you think it's going to move forward. Yeah. But we go into episode five now, and episode four ends with Joel and Ellie bonding. Joel laughs at one of her puns. He is opening up war. He is growing as a character. Crazy. But they wake up with two people pointing guns at them, and that's us. That's... The person, Henry, 
the one that, that Kathleen's looking for. We see a little boy who we learned his name is Sam with uh, orange paint on his face, and he is shushing them when, he, when they wake him up. Yes. So, fun way to open an episode. I love the asshole voice line. Uh huh. It's great. Great episode. Great time. Sad episode. Episode five. Yes, it's a sad episode, but very good. Yeah, Henry and Sam. I love them in the game, and I love them in this. I I really appreciated the the changes made to Sam. Um, in the game, he's around Ellie's age, but here he is like eight, and he is also deaf. So that that's just another added layer. But both both actors that played Henry and Sam are fantastic. Also, the same actor is an actual deaf actor. Yes, it is. Oh. He is so good. Fantastic performances all around. So Henry and Sam, what happened in their story, Josh? What's going on with them? So basically, Henry, be, Sam was dying. He had uh, leukemia, and they, there was possible possibility to save him uh, through medication from the from the government. But the only way that they were going to give him that medicine was if he ratted out who the leader of the resistance was, and the leader of the resistance was Kathleen's brother. Now, her brother was a much more kinder and forgiving man and didn't wasn't really using violence as a way to, you know, get rid of the government. But then, you know, he he died because of that and Kathleen took over and she was just like, "All right, I'm going to burn everything because of this." And yes, they were able to get rid of the government from that, but it also set her on the path of revenge, which ultimately leads to her downfall. You've not finished mocking Jay. Correct. What do you remember? About, what do you remember about the book? I just know that Snow di- uh, Snow dies, and Candace also shoots um, Julianne Moore's character. Coin, yeah. Kathleen is like Coin. We will burn down this system that's terrible, but we'll implement a system that's the, almost the exact same. Yes. And at the same time, we want to punish you the same way too. Well, you know, we'll have you out, you rape, murders, and tortures for twenty years. We'll do it right back to you. That's, that's not how any that should work. It's yes. just the same cycle. So I really liked the, that detail of her being terrible, mostly. But also, her overthrowing the Q, the QZ after being tortured for 20 years, them, you know, to make her a complicated person, because she's not the worst person on Earth, honestly. No, and that's, that's a thing that I enjoy from the game, is that, yes, there are monsters, not just the literal, but also as humans, but there's also very complicated people that you have to kind of look at the circumstances of the world they live in to understand why they're doing what they're doing. Henry ratting out her brother to save his brother. I would do the same thing for my siblings. Same. Everyone I know would. It's not a personal thing. Like, yeah, it's a complicated situation. And he says, I'm a bad guy because I did a bad thing. You did a complicated thing and it makes you a complicated person. I think mora- one of the biggest things about the show is that morality is relative. Yeah. That's like one of the biggest takeaways of all time is morality is only what we deem it is. Yep. And I think that's really fascinating. We get to see some bloaters or one bloater, a big boy. Yes, this is the final stage of infection. You've been infected for a long time. Then you, your whole body becomes covered in fungus. You become super tall, super strong. You rip heads off of people. It's creepy. I think the bloater, bloater though, pulled me out so honestly because it felt like more like a monster, less like an infected thing. Less like I'm one of the spread. Yeah, so but but I'm thankful that it was only there's only the one throughout the whole show. Yes, I agree with that. But you said the point. It, it feels like a good video game fight, but not much for uh, the story. Doesn't feel like it makes full sense to me. Kathleen is complicated, and I'm really glad she gets eaten by a little a little zombie girl. Yes, but tragically, the episode ends in tragedy, and another change that. <laughs> In, in another... Ja- 
tragically. The episode ends in tragedy. I'm not wrong. That's uh, true. You're not wrong. But in another change from the game, there's a similar scene of Ellie and Sam talking about like what they fear most, like in the world and stuff like that. And oh, where how does he communicate though? He he has this little I, I don't know what it's called, but it's like a little it's magic paper. Look it up. It's a, it's a real thing like from the early two thousands. Okay, basically, it's a way for him to be able to write to people that don't know sign language. Um, and you just like lift it up, um, and then you can just start writing all over again. So you don't need like dry erase markers and stuff like that. And that's how they communicate. But he uses like magnetic dust, like how Etch-A-Sketch does. Yes. But this is how Sam reveals to Ellie that he got bitten during the whole giant infection uh, fight that happened before. And that sinkhole last episode was not a sinkhole that they were ignoring. It was an infected underground they were ignoring that all broke out. Yes, because the government drove them underground um, and Kathleen did not deal with it as she should have. And that kind of messed everything up for them. But yes, yeah, Sam got infected, and Ellie is just like, "I'm immune. My blood, my blood is medicine." And she, you know, tries to heal him. Sadly, it does not work, and Sam gets infected, and he dies. And then Henry um, is the one that ends up killing him to save Ellie. But it doesn't end well for Henry either, because he cannot live with what he had done, and you can kind of see where that goes. So it ends quite sad. That what did I do moment and the Joel, uh, the Joel saying give me the gun Henry is so sad. Uh, Ellie's pure fear and her like screech like scream is haunting. Mm-hmm. That whole scene and it's right after you know, I'll tell him kids uh, kids in the morning that you'll be going with us that kind of thing. That's just it's so sad um, because you never for new viewers you don't you don't know for sure if Henry and Sam are going to come come with them or not. I had the knowledge knowing that they wouldn't. <laughs> So I knew, like, I knew that they probably wouldn't make it. And it was a matter of how and when. Mm-hmm. Also, it's kind of hard to believe that characters will make it out alive when episodes one, two, and three prior killed all of every new character we saw. Pretty much, <laughs> like it makes it a little harder to trust what you're gonna, you know, what's gonna happen to someone. Mm-hmm. It's a very powerful episode. I love episode five of Roll. It's very, very good. Uh, we had a slight break. In recordings, everyone. What, so there's what any, any there's, audio differences? There's there is no break. There's no there's nothing. It's it's all good. Nothing like a five day break between <laughs> part of recording this. <laughs> they can't know things. <laughs> uh so if we have like two episodes back to back next week, it's because we finish this a little later and we record the next one right away. So if there's a weird tonal energy shift in our in our part of recording from like you know twenty seconds ago to now, now you know why. It's all uh, chill. Have fun, have fun editing this part, Josh. Of course. We left off on episode six. Sad things happened in the last one, so now we're just like, hopefully no sad things will happen in this one. Oh, but sad things do happen in this one, as per usual. Joel and Ellie find find Joel's brother. Tommy, he's now a mountain man, and we all love mountain men, right? He's got a mustache now. Everything seems fine. He's gotten, he's gotten into communism. He's married. It's great! <laughs> what do you think of this episode, Sean? This is the episode I told you before. I turned off in the first five minutes. Oh, yeah, that's right. For a good, like, 20 minutes. I'm like, I'm nope. And I kind of play, like, do I really want to watch anymore? Uh, and it's not, because I wasn't actually interested still in the story. We go from an interesting thing happens. We get, uh, see what happened at the end of the last episode again. And it did not, it did not feel good to see that again. Or for my dad, who watched the two episodes back to back. Episode 5 and 6. Then we flash forward three months later. 
And that's why I said, nope, paused it and turned it off. I don't enjoy, in general, when we're already well into a story, a, a massive, like a decent time jump that we don't go fill in those blinks at all. And we really don't, and it that still frustrates me a little bit. Cause like, I know what you told me before, it's how the game is structured, correct? Correct, exactly uh, the same way. Um, I don't care. I'm mad about it. Because, <laughs> like, the entirety of episode 1 through 5 is not very long in terms of time. I guess I, I, if you don't count the 20-year jump, I don't care. That's not what I'm talking about. That's still the first episode. That's still establishing Act 1 of the story. But, I mean, it's probably, like, what? Two months maximum. And that's if we could see pretty linearly everything that, if the event's unfolding with the two characters. And then to just miss three whole months of time, which seems like a longer amount of time than we've seen them together already, like over double amount of time, it feels like a lot of just loss of character and story to me. But I can get past it because Pedro Pascal's crying in a shed scene made me happy. I mean, it's sad, <laughs> but like good performance so I'm like this episode alone that part alone made the whole episode amazing to me and i know game people were like just get over it i'm like shut up <laughs> <laughs> i i wanted to see that character development because we went from pretty much your cargo and then we see the moment in episode five of burying sam and then that longing of oh fuck i don't want to lose her like this but only the beginning is really of that fully of re- him realizing he starts like to really love this this girl and then we go next episode, this episode six, three months later, and it's like, I, I would die for her. I would do anything. I'm sobbing a mess over her. Like I feel like we have a bit of a jump there, uh, in those three months. I would have liked to see, to see those bonding a bit more, even a few moments, just throughout the like, three months. You could have done every few weeks, just shown a little bit of they're moving along or something. But I get it. It's fine. We get to see Pedro cry. It's whatever. <laughs> Yeah, I, oh. I remember you messaging me about that, and I was just like, that's interesting, but, but like, I just, whenever I think about it, I'm just like, it gives us enough to see the Bond without needing to see the Bond, like, not just in the first five episodes, but, like, in the first, like, 15 or so minutes, we see, like, that Ellie has learned how to track, how to protect, and, like, all these other things, and it gives us the impression of that they have grown and they've gotten closer and everything like that, and... I, I believe we don't ever have to fully see every single minute thing when they've already been setting it up and establishing stuff like that beforehand. It's same It was the same deal I had in the game. When it jumped three months, I was just like, oh, cool. And I didn't ever think twice about it because the world building, character building, and all that had been so well done that it's easy to see the natural progression of it. I don't need to see every minute detail. I wanted to see some of that progression that we, that we missed from that. That's all. It's a little bit. It's the same problem I had with Ant and the Wasp when we jumped for, when we you know, we missed a lot of stuff with um, Cassie and the family bonding. And, like, I just would, like, I brought up last in the last uh, episode about how I'd like to see a little bit more of that before we go into the quantum realm. But, like, in the end, it's not a huge deal. It's just like, oh, come on, kind of thing. And because I can't pause a movie in a theater, <laughs> you're like, hey, wait, it's fine. Uh, but I, have, of course, come back to it. I finished the whole show. I love this. I love the show overall. I'm, I'm making it very clear. I could have a critique and want something to happen that doesn't happen without ruining a whole show for me. You're not. Just uh, you're not allowed to critique art. How dare you? That's unlawful. We get to see an amazing indigenous couple. Uh, they, they're great. Alone, I, and the the husband. I forgot the actor's name, but he plays a character in Red Dead Redemption Two. As soon as I heard his voice, I was just like, "It's that guy!" And I was I was so happy. It was so cool. I love the the wife and that so much. You made him food. 
Yeah. <laughs> there, there are Firefly people? That was great. Uh, great great dynamic. Cool seeing them, uh, Ellie and Joel work together, though, overall. It's cool. And I don't, it's literally cool because winter. Um, yes. And we see them go through snow and whatever, and Joel is struggling because he's an old boy who is sad. He's an old boy that's sad. He's starting to get fun panic attacks of love. He's starting to see his daughter when she's what? not really there. It's fun. It's all fun and fun happy. Panic attacks of love. He's he's having panic attacks because he's feeling love and it's scaring him. He also has a lot of trauma and stress in his life. Oh, um, oh, only the love. That's only that's what it is. It's nothing else. Nothing else piled on top at all. They get surrounded by it. It might be raiders. Might be someone. Hunters, cannibals, killers. We don't know. Joel's like, I'm just looking for my brother. One woman's like, Who? What's your name? And it's like Joel. And they're like, Next scene, they're at their camp. It's like, and you're they, gonna give a last name, dude? Because, like, that's a very common name. I am the only Joel with a brother. There, There is no one else but me. And they go and they find Tommy. And that moment is very heartwarming. It's very nice. And they live in a commune, like Magneto did in Dark Phoenix. That's they, the only other commune in history. They are communists. Tommy doesn't realize this. It's a great, hilarious moment. I loved it. All hill communism. And no, I'm not joking. But also, I fucking love that moment so much. Because... He doesn't realize that, wait a minute, I'm a commie. <laughs> I'm a dirty commie. <laughs> but of course, they uh, Joel interrogates Tommy on, where is the Firefly doctors? Where are they? <laughs> where are they? <laughs> He's like, you take Ellie. She's immune. Please. I'm old and scared and fragile. I'm sad. And I will just get her killed. I saw... I'm I'm getting weak. I'm he's like I'm weak, Tommy. I'm weak. It's it is such a great. All, all joking aside, it is an amazing scene. It just really showcases how uh, how great of an actor Pedro is. Oh, truly. Uh, both him and, and Gabriel Luna. That's the actor name, right? Yes. He, the, both were great. Uh, I love the subtlety on both of their faces as well for most of the scenes in general. Ellie overhears Joel talking to Tommy about you take her. I can't. And Tommy agrees, despite having a pregnant wife. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is the this is kind of the one sort of change that I think works a lot better here. Because in the game, it's it's a similar scene, uh, but it's nowhere near as emotional, and it's more kind of like Joel. Because in the game, they're still on good terms. Well, no, they're actually not on good terms with each other. They had a falling out, but. Joel's kind of like, you owe me. I protected you all these years, blah, blah, blah. Um, but he never opens up emotionally about it. And then Tommy's just kind of like, okay, yeah, I, I guess I'll do it. But here it's like you actually see them, you know, talk it out, see his emotions. And it makes far more sense why Tommy would be like, okay, fine, I'll I'll do it. I'll do it for you, dude. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people get mad online of how they made Joel too emotional, too sensitive, too vulnerable. I'm like, that's kind of a human being. <laughs> They let him actually have a character like that who is that stoic actually be able to be able to have a moment of vulnerability and express his feelings makes the character stronger overall. They're they're gonna lose it when the God of War show does similar stuff. I'm excited for chaos, Josh. Chaos is fun. I love the detail, and of course, because Ellie overhears that whole conversation, or at least part of the conversation. It it leads to a great scene between the two of them. That's basically yeah, just... line for line exactly how it is in the game. Yes, I've seen a lot of clips. I've seen a lot of clips when people have when when they show us things that are very similar to the game. There's often like the comparison videos people do, and it was really great. I love the "I'm not her, you know" line. Mm -hmm. Don't, just don't. And that was so good. I I kind of like 
him saying don't don't say another word instead of you're trying on some ice and ice both of them are great but just uh again it's all about pedro's ability as an actor and just you can hear the hurt in his voice just like don't just stop please it's so good and i think the the i'm not hurting no line from ellie about about sarah is maybe her strongest delivery in the show at this point so far what do you think of episode six Episode six. It was good, fun, sad times. I loved the sadness. I loved the acting. Uh, overall, me me enjoy. Ah, uh, I like six. Episode six called something. An episode. I don't know. That. I don't know almost any titles in this show. Actually, I don't know things. I know long, long times. Episode three. It's called the dog that almost killed Ellie. <laughs> episode six is called Kin. Oh, that makes sense. So, episode 7, titled Left Behind, which is the same I knew that name. title. It's the same name as the DLC, and coincidentally, that's what this episode is about. The DLC, which is when Ellie is trying to take care of Joel, and she, in her sadness, flashes back to before meeting Joel with her friend Riley. And the fun adventures they have together in a mall that doesn't end tragically at all. That ends all happy dandy and everything is all good. There's no sadness at all. I definitely didn't cry many times by the end of this episode. Uh, yep. Cool. So episode nine then, right? We're moving on. <laughs> Jumping to nine, completely skipping eight. <laughs> Again, as the whole show, um, it's, it's great for a fan like me to see, but getting a whole episode for the DLC that just to show their friendship was so great. And just to have it focus solely on, Ellie and Riley's friendship and the highs and lows of it was so nice. It was great. But yeah, Storm Reed that plays Riley, she was great. She has such fantastic chemistry with Bella. It was, I would have loved to see an entire show um, with the two of them. But sadly, that doesn't happen, of course, because again, everything has to be sad. This episode is really cool because it's really gay. It, it um, is quite. And if you look at this image I'm showing you, Josh, look at the lighting. I told you this before. It's the lesbian flag. The lighting in the episode in the mall. Yeah, gayness. It's all, you see my comparison here? Mm-hmm. The entirety of the mall is lit up by, by hues of orange, yellow, pink, and purple. Like, that's all the lighting they use pretty much in the mall. A few times there's green because like, there's... They had to have them include other colors, but the dominant colors the whole time are those colors. And I think that's great. Because if you didn't know that Ellie was already gay uh, if I, before this, this episode started, they foreshadowed it with lighting. This episode is great. I really, love, really love it. I think it's fantastic. Her friend Riley joined the Fireflies. Ellie's in Fedra school, cause, and she was she is taught to kill Fireflies. So a bit, a bit and, of a tension and rift there. Mm-hmm. You know, star-crossed lovers, Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> I think one of my um, favorite things from this episode was Ellie just kind of discovering everything like that's in the mall, like escalators, the Victoria's Secret shop, like all, all these kinds of things, and just being like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It was, it was so much fun. I love the small moments in this episode so much. The little, the longing looks they give each other before they say anything about anything. Because mm-hmm. uh, neither of them want to say feelings because it's a friendship. You don't want to risk yeah. something. And they're, they're also kids, too. They don't really know what these feelings fully are. And there are small moments. Like, for instance, you mentioned the Victoria's Secret Shop. And they're trying to picture themselves being adults. And, like, what would that actually be like? When, what, what would one of those things be like? And it's not in a, like, a sexual way. It's like, I wonder what that's like being an adult and having a romantic partner. And it was cool seeing, like, you could see her mind thinking about, like, her own future and imagining that. Mm-hmm. And that was a cool detail. Like, Bella's a great actor. She so, so good. And I love the detail, like you said, about her discovering the mall, Riley bringing her there. 
and it was she brought her there for a last night because Riley was is leaving. She's stationed to leave the next day in the morning to go to Atlanta, Georgia, um, where she'll never see Ellie again. Yeah. And so this is a last night to say goodbye and give her a great time. I, th- I thought another interesting aspect to the episode was because Ellie's been raised in Federal School, she's been raised to believe that the Fireflies are terrorists and all these things. So there's there's a very interesting like dynamic between the two of them because like you can kind of tell that Ellie doesn't really know what to believe about it, but she's like, but seeing like Riley like you know talking about everything and seeing that she has like bombs uh, there that the fireflies are telling her to like look after she's like starting to question like is is that what my friend is like is this what they are and like it's very interesting especially given the world of politics and everything indoctrination that's the word i was looking for i've been impressed by this episode so much i've seen this episode a few times now it's probably the one i've seen the second most times i also watched like watch like reaction videos of people watching shows and movies a lot and some and one that people really gravitate towards overall i know people have said before it breaks the like the pacing of the show overall because it's we go from Joel's been stabbed and he's like bleeding out and dying. Let's cut away to a mall episode. <laughs> it's but what's so and, funny and, about that is like it literally cuts from Ellie about because Joel because the episode starts with Ellie trying to um, keep Joel she safe. She dragged and, him into a house from outside. Yeah, and basically kind of like find a way to like um, p- patch him back up. But Joel's just like, no, leave me. I'm dying. Like, there's nothing that you can do about it. Go, fi- go find Tommy. Get out of here. And before Ellie can leave, she kind of like stops and like um, op- before she can open the door. And that's when we flash back to this. And that's what she's thinking about is what happens here because it's such a defining moment in her life. Right, this episode is why she decided not to leave Joel. Like, like it, it is very important to her character. This is not a filler yes. episode, as so many people say. Again, people don't know what a filler episode is. I'm worried how much TV these people have actually consumed. I think uh, one of my um, favorite changes this episode was when they're in the arcade playing uh, Mortal Kombat 2 together. Because in the game, they all the arcade machines are broken, and it leads to a really cool moment of Riley like telling Ellie to like close her eyes and imagine that she's playing the game. It leads to like, you pushing the same buttons and stuff and seeing Ellie's facial expressions. But I really liked seeing the two of them actually get to play the game together. I thought that was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was really cool. This episode ends in tragedy. Yep. Um, <laughs> which you kind of know from the beginning, because if you remember episode 2... Ellie says she got bit in the mall. Were you alone? And she's like, yup, definitely alone. No one else was there. She said, yes, like very sketchy. Uh, and so we, okay, we know someone else was there and we know that that probably, person probably isn't around anymore. Yeah, in the uh, first episode, Marlene talks about when when she's with Ellie, she's like, was Riley a terrorist? And so you can kind of figure out that was probably her. And then when it's just like, oh no, something sad's about to happen. And you speak, spoke of the arcade specifically in this, and of course we we uh, look away from the arcade. We follow a trail of groaning uh, into a doll store, a creepy doll store. We love creepy doll stores. When a zombie stores. is, an infected is there. That's no bueno. No. I'm actually kind of surprised that this happened, though, um, that we're still infected there at all, considering the fact that they stationed a child there alone. Yeah, it's fine. Like... The Firefly is stationed rally in the mall, but we, you know, we see an infected there, despite the fact that, you know, the Fireflies cleared it all out. There's no infected there. How thorough a sweep did they do? They didn't check every room. They, that they, was like they, a very open it was, room. It was fine. It was enough. Good enough. Send the child in. Uh, and they have a, a moment where they're dancing together to some funky music on a Halloween store counter, which 
looked like it, when it was like, it looked like it was gonna fall through because it was made of glass. And then they kiss. Ellie says, "Don't go." Riley says, "Okay." But that's when hinky dory stuff is no longer happening. They get, they get attacked by Mr. Infected, and they both get bit. Mr. Infected. I was picturing the song Domo Origato, Mr. Roboto, as you said that, too. So, like, I don't know. Mr. Infected, Domo Origato. <laughs> of course, we know in the, in the we have the wonderful thing called dramatic irony, which is where you know something the character doesn't know. And we know that Ellie will be fine. But Riley because will that's not. Where the, yeah. And it sucks also, because we also heard, and one of my favorite moments in episode 5, which I wanted to touch on them, but I couldn't because spoilers, Ellie said it wasn't her first kill uh, in episode 5. It wasn't the first time she's hurt someone like that in episode 5. Implying, and this kind of implied that it was Riley. Mm-hmm. Because, well, if they both are infected, and then Ellie doesn't actually get infected, she has to be the one to kill Riley. Yep. And that's a sad thought. Yep. But because Riley's dead, that's when we flash back to Joel dying on a table. Things are just sad all around. <laughs> Take it away, Josh. What's going on here? Huh? <laughs> it's, it's your talk. Tell me what you want to explain the situation. Go on. Move he's on. he's dying. She sews him up and everything's hunky-dory. We got, that is our word of the day, everyone. Hunky-dory. Hunky-dory. Put it on a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of how the episode ends here, too, right? Yeah, pretty much. Do you have any other thoughts on this episode? I love it. It broke my heart all over again. I thought their relationship was great. Uh, taken too soon. Uh, yes, fun times. Fun sad times. So 7 ends sadly. Does 8 end sadly too? Yeah. eight's a bundle of fun of sadness and darkness and blah. So Ellie is hunting stuff. She's looking after Joel while he's still be dying but he not be dying as fast but she needs medicine and that's when we run across oh david oh david 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 this is a very fun creepy character he was played by nolan north aka nathan drake in the game which was a lot of fun um to to figure that out i thought you were gonna say in this i'm like no he's not Josh. no he's not he's not played by him his right hand man is played by troy baker though the original actor of joel so that was fun but David runs kind of this uh, little community similar to, like, what Maria and Tommy do, but it is nowhere near as functional. They are pretty much out of food. They are mourning the death of, surprise, surprise, the guy that Joel stabbed because they are not far from where he was stabbed. So David and Troy Baker decide that they're going to go out and try to, you know, keep the peace and not worry people go hunting see if they can find something and that's when they run across ellie who ha who hunted I, a deer i love that you said david as in the character and troy baker the actor yes troy baker the, james, actor. the character no 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 no, not james troy baker <laughs> the episode opens the bible verse of, of david reading to his like commune yes this is a very fascinating addition that i really loved because david it's really kind of left a mystery as to like who th what this guy's deal is when you first meet him but here we get to see that he's kind of like this religious head of this community that very clearly like is lost and has no direction and he sees himself as that person to give them the direction and of course religion is a fun thing to do with that of showing like oh he's a good guy actually he's awful <laughs> he is the worst 
Whenever someone in a slow, monotone voice reads the Bible, as especially an opening in a in a mostly horror-y kind of show, I'm not gonna trust you for Ex- a second. Expect bad things. But I really and I'm not saying Christians are bad. I'm not saying the Bible is necessarily bad. I'm just saying that in context of storytelling, it is often used to manipulate people, as it's often used to manipulate people in real life as well. Correct. But I really loved when they when David and Troy Baker, again, not James Troy Baker, uh, come across Ellie because she's found a deer and she leverages it, leverages the deer for getting medicine for Joel. They they seem to not know who she is and she doesn't know who they are. And again, through a fantastic scene between David and Ellie, just kind of like there's a lot of tension between the two of them. He slowly reveals that he knows who she is and it uh, it's so good. The tension is so well built up. The actor that plays David, he plays him not at all like Noah North did, but it works very, very well. It's similar to Melanie Lesky's character. Kathleen. Kathleen play, plays it a lot like she did, um, kind of giving this, but more so presenting like I'm a warm, warm comforting figure. I'm someone that you can trust. But you just, you know there's something wrong. You know there's something off with him. You just don't, you can't quite place what it is yet. And we find out, cannibalism. That's one of the things, at least. You're jumping ahead quite a little bit, but yeah, that's true. It's no bueno. I love that Ellie calls um, both of them buddy boy. Uh Uh-huh. I think that's great. Ellie intimidates them. Drop your weapons! I I love her intimidation voice. voice. It was great. It's like if an eight-year-old trying to do a Batman voice. Ah! I'm I'm tough. Put your weapons down. Uh, uh, but yeah, were, were you yeah were you able to uh, put together before they revealed that that was what was happening? No, you could okay. Because I didn't think I. It's not like I couldn't. I just didn't think about it. Like it was not in, in my head. An op- it was just. It was you, weird. Could you give a feel? Yeah, were you able getting a feeling that like something was off? Sure, but I, I didn't get it until she said you're eating people. Like wait. I, I, I like, cause I didn't even put together that that body down below was a person. I just ah. thought it was meat. I don't know bodies. I, I don't know <laughs> bodies that are like severed and already cut up. Like, cause it was, we saw like, a look through her cage down below, at like intestines and stuff all spilled out. But we didn't know. I, that just was a pile of intestines. I don't know it's a person. <laughs> also, he's a uh, David's a rapist or trying to probably is, but also trying to be. I'm going with he most likely was in his past life. Yeah, he has this whole monologue about how he has a violent heart and always did. And he picked up the Bible and stuff after the apocalypse happened to help manipulate people. Yeah. Plus, he also mentions that he was a teacher, which that's... That level... That was the grossest part of all this, because he wants to do bad, bad things to Ellie. Yeah. Uh, And the way he puts his hands on her hand and stuff, and I, I was so uncomfortable... Literally, the second he was talking to her outside in this very, like, loving, lovey way, I'm like, Mm-mm, you're creepy. Nope. And it get and uh, it gets worse. It only gets worse. Yeah, he captured, they captured Ellie. Uh, Joel managed to wake up because the penicillin worked. Plus yes. a lot of adrenaline. A lot of adrenaline. Oh, yeah. Because uh, penicillin would not work that fast like that. But as, as soon as he realized, like, because Ellie also gives him a knife and is just like, because they go looking for Ellie, they follow her tracks, and she basically gives him a knife and says, there's guys looking for us, I'm going to uh, draw them away from you, um, so that way they don't attack you or kill you or anything. And once Joel finally gets the strength, he's just like, Ellie, where are you? Roar! And he slaughters everyone in his path. He does, he's got the torture scene from the game, it's great, I would have preferred if it had the 
uh, cold, harsh blue lighting from it. But you know what? I'll take what I can get. It was a great scene. But as like like in this, both in the episode, I'm sure in the game as well, that Joel does not save Ellie; she saves herself. Yes, that was that was different. Well, no, in the in the game, she is, she is does she, she does the same thing. But when she's like hacking into David's face with uh, a mache, not a cleaver, um, he kind of like rushes in and like um, like pulls her off, um, and then the scene the scene plays out similar. But in this, she actually okay. like you know just just keeps going and then eventually stops and then walks out on on her. Yeah, own. That's the only difference. With the butcher's cleaver. Oh yeah. Oh, but it is that, that, it was so uh, satisfying and her. The fact that Ellie killed original Joel in this, Troy Baker, also interesting. It was it was honestly kind of funny. Poetic. But po- weirdly. <laughs> but I love that uh, scene when she bites bites David and um basically just to say, I'm infected now you are too, to kind of give herself any amount of time to get out of the situation. Right. Whether they were going to do inappropriate things to her or eat her, which are both inappropriate, you know what I mean. Uh they <laughs> eating eat a person have... is inappropriate. What? I said eating a person is inappropriate. Yes, but you know what I'm trying to say. Whether yes, do, I got it. Whether they're going to assault her in one way or another, now she bought herself time um, by saying that she's infected. And that was a great call. And like her left, they, But, of course, David brought up an amazing point of, unfortunately, people who are infected don't fight, don't fight as hard to stay alive. Mm-hmm. And so that's how you know. I don't like that he is a smart person. Yeah, that, that makes him even more terrifying. Because there are evil people who are also smart, and I don't like that. I think David is the scariest part of the show so far. Oh, 100%. By far. Because that's, that's a real person that exists in our world, you know? Yeah. Ellie burns the place down, and where are the townspeople? They're out. They're sleeping. It's the middle of the day. Look, again, in the game, Joel's, like, slaughtering everyone, Ellie, too, just to get out of there. So it makes sense that there's not really people here. They're sleeping. That's that's what I'm chopping it up to. Yeah, like 2 p.m. whatever. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, it's fine. So Ellie stumbles out, bloodied and everything, terrified, and that's when Joel shows up, and he and he call he calls her baby girl when he sees that like she's covered in blood and some something happened. He doesn't know what, and all he can think is just to comfort her, and the, he he calls her baby girl, which he hasn't called anyone since Sarah. The fact that when he touches her, she pulls away, yells, and says, "Get off me! Get off!" Me, and and then he has to basically force her to turn around and see him. And her face is melting knowing it's a safe person. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's okay, baby girl. You're safe. It's me. You're okay. And I, I got you. Broke my heart. Yeah. This is, uh, this is again, it's a, it's a very minor change. But in the game, we don't hear what he's, what they're saying to each other. But we know what they're saying. And here we, here we get to hear it. And I'm like, you know what? I'll take it. I'm happy I'm hearing this. It was sad. It was uh, sad. I love that he also never in the future asks questions because it's not he doesn't he doesn't care doesn't it, as long as she's fine. Yep. Because you don't want to make someone relive their trauma. They don't have to. If they want to tell you what happened. That's fine. But do not pry. I'm, he was just glad that she's okay. That's all he needed. Then we get our finale. Josh, this finale is interesting. This was the one I was very curious to see how people's reactions would be because obviously, if you've played the game, you know how it ends. And for the most part, I've never seen any, like, negative reactions to it online. I've just seen people be like, I do agree or I don't agree. And so I was very curious, would it be a similar reaction to it? Or would it be, like, very much like, this show is the worst. How dare they do something like that? And I have seen some reactions like that. I'm just like, you've completely oh, missed really? the point of what they're doing. I've only seen so far pretty much that, that just 
Is it was it right or wrong kind of reactions? Oh no, I've I've seen that too. But I've seen some people that completely miss the mark and un, and misunderstand what in the world is happening. I'm just like, if you haven't been able to figure out why they made this choice, then that's just on you. I have gotten some responses that are like, oh, that's it, okay, like, and, and that's not an invalid response either because it isn't a big big finale. It's just. So people thought it'd be leading up to a bit more. Although, it, it is a surprisingly short episode. It was a lot shorter than I thought that it was going to be. And it's also just the... It's not as monumental of an episode as it, like you might think it might be. Mm-hmm. Because the whole show is not driven by these big action things. It's driven by these character moments. It's driven by how people... Because the show is not called The Infected. It's called The Last of Us. It's who, who, who remains left and how do they cope with this. Mm-hmm. And that's what this episode's all about. So God, you... I love giraffes. The, I was God. I was so happy when they had the giraffe scene. It was real giraffes, not CGI. And people thought they were CGI. Uh, it was. It was so great. Just ah, uh, so nice. That the nice minute of just like pure happiness between the two of them. Ah, uh, so good. So they they go they go traveling some more. It's now springtime. Joel has Shepard D Beefaroni and Boggle in his bags. Um, no reason for me mentioning this. I just think it's funny. Um, Ellie. I did the math. Uh, you, it's probably in the universe. You said springtime now. I don't think it is in the show. I think, hold on. I think that it just might be stopped snowing because of one main thing. I, it's like a week walk max. That's with stopping. Uh, it, look, I, it doesn't bother me. It could be, you know, the, the game says spring, so I'm going with the game here. I just think it's funny. It's like, this feels rather quick to be springtime in the show now <laughs> but all right go on but but yeah so ellie is obviously still very closed off and isn't like really being herself because of what happened in the last episode and joel he knows that something happened but he's not he's not trying to pry her to like open up about it he's just trying to pry her open to be herself again because he can tell that something's off and this is when we get one of the best scenes in the show um, and one of my favorite additions is when Joel talks about, cause they go past like, um, uh, like a trauma center, um, that was active. Like when the, um, when the apocalypse was first happening, he was talking about, this is where, um, I went after everything happened when it started. And this is when he talks about, cause in episode three, he mentions that he got a scar, the scar from someone shooting at him. Um, and he shot back and they missed. No, it was him. There was no other person. This is finally, like, when he talks about, like, that he hit, like, a very low point after Sarah died and he saw no other way out. But at the last moment, he, you know, moved out of the way, and that's why he has the scar. And, ah, it's so good. It's also why he's deaf in one ear. Yeah. And when Ellie was talking about, like, because this is, like, when they're really bonding, when he's finally, like, really opening up to her and... She was just like, um, so like time heals all wounds or something along those lines. And Joel was like, it wasn't time that, that healed it or something like that. And looks at Ellie. It's just like, I love this show. It's so good. Yeah, that was sad. And then hers was a lot of, her her understanding was also great. But yeah, apparently according to the the two co-creators of this and the show, that's supposed to be also canon why he has a scar in the game as well. I've I never noticed that he has a scar. I will have to go back and look at that. Yep, it's always been there apparently. Interesting. I like it. Isn't that sad? So sad. 
But then after a great bonding moment, the fireflies uh, flashbang them. Flashbang! And- <laughs> Uh, knock, knocks Joel out, and that's when we get to the hospital. They finally made it to their destination. And then Marlene's... I, hold on. I have problems with this scene. Which part? Uh, the flashbanging or the hospital? Numerous shit. Because Marlene says that we didn't know it was, that it didn't, it was you. Fuck that. Because Ellie was unharmed. She was just brought in. So they knew who it was. And so at that point, why did you attack them? Just, just, just talk. Just... Just, why not? They, thought, they just hated Joel. They thought it'd be fun to mess with him. Yeah. But yeah, Marlene is just like, yo, Joel, thank you for doing this. Uh, by the way, uh, to make the vaccine, I talked to the doctor. He's like, yeah, the brain is what we need, so uh, she's gonna have to die. And Joel's just like, no, no, this this isn't happening. No, no. Marlene's like, yeah, it's happening. Sorry, hashtag sorry, not sorry. What a way to talk about that scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the way you describe it seems a little interesting. For hashtag sorry not sorry all that stuff, but I love Marlene's wording because how they they bring up how the doctor has the doctors have theory about the cordyceps being in her brain, or, or about the cordyceps of being there from birth and that could be the cure. First off, she describes it as a theory. She also says they think it could be a cure. They think it could be a cure, which really people have said before. People keep treating this this whole scenario as Joel stopped it for sure cure from happening. No. There's, there was never a guarantee, because they address this in the games. It's probably a not a cure, because this is 2003 medical science. Like, they know from a lot, people, but they don't know as much as we know now. And even now, we don't know who, a lot. From people who were probably just in med school at the time. Yeah. Based on their ages. And also, there was no cure for any kind of fungal infection then, and there still isn't today with our current 2023 science. So it's really not a possible scenario. I get them wanting to try, but it's not a possibility. And I think it's so fascinating that it's, we think it could be a cure, but let's not tell Ellie anyway for this choice. It literally, they don't tell Ellie what happened. They don't give her an option either. Not that it would be, it would be unethical to ask a 14 year old either way yeah. to do this. But yeah, that, that ties in interestingly into the second game, uh, which will, well, no, I can't talk about now. We'll talk about it in the future. But, but I will yeah, know so, nothing. I'm not going to say anything. But yeah, so Joel's just like, uh, nah, I'd like to have a daughter again, please. And Marlene's like, nah, goodbye. Get out of here. And so Joel's just like, okay, I made up my mind. And that's when he starts killing all the fireflies to save Ellie. I like Rampage Joel. Rampage Joel is fun. But yeah, Marlene's like, if you try and stop us, kill him. And Joel says that. No, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> they start walking Joel out in the street. He says, which way to go? Which is a good question. As like, why are you stopping? He's like, I don't know where I'm going. That's an, I've obvious. never been here before. You, you flashbanged me and brought me here. I don't know where I am. If we just talked, maybe it'd be fine. And of course, then Joel just murders every single person there, including the doctors. Which I, I've seen the, the scenes in the game and how it plays out. I think it's really cool to, to both ways. Yeah, I, I really liked it here because the doctor is barely can get in like a word to like plead and Joel just like immediately shoots him. And I thought that was very interesting because and then in the game because he's he gets in at least a couple of lines. I love in the game you can have a choice of how you kill him. It's always fun to me. Yeah, it's either you can just go up, hit square and stab him or you can use literally any of your weapons that you have. A flamethrower? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but here... I love the detail of he grabs a small scapel, mm-hmm. and he's like, 
I can't let you do that. Like, I don't have time for this. Boom. That's it. Yeah. And also, one of the actors who was Abby in number two was in this scene. Yeah, she was she was one of the nurses. You can't you can't really tell unless you're looking for her specifically, but that was a fun uh nod in detail. We gotta go back in time and talk about Ashley Johnson. So the episode opens. We finally get something about Ellie's mom and how and her birthing and everything. And her mom is played by Ashley Johnson, which AKA, I AKA just... uh the waitress from Avengers One. And Gwen Tennyson from Benton Alien Force. And no other roles. Nothing no at important. all. But I loved that so much of just seeing her literally bring Ellie into this world in two different kinds of ways. That was great. The opening was so good. I would see Ashley in a million things. She is incredible. Uh, but if you, I didn't re- our, if you did not know our sarcasm, she played Ellie in the last of us game. In case you couldn't tell or didn't know. She is being, she's uh, very pregnant, about to give birth to Ellie. When she's being chased by infected, she fights off the infected, but she gets bit in the process as she's giving birth, uh, which isn't a great combination of things. And so Ellie gets birth. Marlene shows up a couple hours later and Ellie's mom is just like, hey, I'm infected. Uh, Take care of Ellie for me. Uh, Please keep her safe and everything. Definitely don't uh, give her up for science for death. Uh, That wouldn't be great. It makes me hate Marlene more also, because the detail in this episode, she's like, she talks to Joel about how, trust me on how you feel, I was there when she was born, I made a promise to her mom not to hurt her. Then why are you breaking that promise right now? You're breaking the promise! <laughs> the one thing, I understand how you feel, clearly you don't. You also, Marlene, you do not know- You, you, put, point, you put her into the military school from birth. <laughs> right. Marlene made a point in this episode of, like, it's what Ellie would want to do. Like, and the- Maybe, but you don't know that. You don't know her. But it, again, it keeps Marlene's character very interesting that she's very much this like natural born leader. But it, of course, in this world, it's very much she's taking the approach similar to Joel of just like having to do like the harshest kinds of things in order to make the world a better place in her in her eyes. And it's a very it's the trolley problem of one one life versus, you know, the rest of the world or something like that. And it's very interesting how she and Joel have very similar ideologies to that. I want to see Chidi Adagonye and Joel have a conversation about this. <laughs> Chidi would lose his mind. Chidi would lose his mind at the decisiveness, decisiveness alone at Joel. Oh, yeah. But also, Joel did what literally any family member or father would do. Oh, like, good yeah. Point. If my brother was in the same situation I knew, I would do anything I could to save them. Same kind of thing. My dad, because he watched the show as well, he's watching the show as a father and said to me, yeah, Joel did exactly what I would do. Like, without question, Joel did, the right, Joel did the right thing. And of course, we can, you know, stand here, talk all day about, you know, the ethics of, like, murder and, like, the possibility of, like, saving the whole world and everything. But when you get down to it, when it's a matter of love and, like, loss and, like, all that kind of stuff, especially in the context of this world, yeah, I think most people would do what Joel did. Of course, Joel does get Ellie out of there. Marlene sees him in a parking lot, though, and is like, don't do it, Joel. She'd want you to do this. I, uh, that's always been my favorite thing from this and the game. She's like, you could still do the right thing here. I'm like, according to you, the only doctor that could have done this is now dead. So what's right. the point? <laughs> that's very, it's a, that's what I think about it too. I'm like, this is, what do you mean? Like we could wait for more doctors, I guess. But like, there's no <laughs> sure. guarantee on that. And then, and then we get Joel's great line of just shooting Marlene and saying, you'll just come after her, which is probably true. 
it's it's so blunt, but he's 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 exactly right. Like that's exactly what would have happened. It would have been a very standard if he let her live, like out of the goodness of his heart or something like that. Like a lot of other stories similar to this would have done. She would have been the villain of, of the second game, just coming after them. He's like, nah, I'm not doing that, and kills her. I'm just like, cool. Which is fascinating because my dad watching this said it sets up a season two so well. And I told him how this was really just, originally just it. This was the game at first. He's like, "What? I'm like this was this was it?" <laughs> uh, he's like, "No, this." I'm like, "No, the whole point was just to bring up this amazing ethical dilemma and get people engaged in this part that was the story." That's why the second game is years later. It's it's not. This was the full story at first. Uh, and he said that he thought second season would be about them trying to chase him down. I'm like, no, everyone who I told him how everyone who knows is dead. There's no one to come after her anymore. Now the ethics are just down to Joel and Ellie and their conflict. Yep. And that's that's one of my favorite things about this ending is that Ellie clearly knows that Joel is lying about something. She doesn't know what, though, because she wakes up in the car as they're driving back to Tommy's and she still has the scrubs on and everything. And Joel just says, yeah, they ran some tests. They tried to do this and that. But it turns out there's a whole lot of other people like you and they can't make a cure from it. So they've stopped trying. And you can tell, again, because Bella's an amazing actor, she's just like, okay, what's something's up here? This, hmm, I don't know about this. <laughs> is Marlene still alive? No, Raiders came. They're, everyone's dead. <laughs> yep. I, I barely barely got you out of there um, myself. And then he's going off on a hiking trip where Joel's always smiling and keeps talking about how Santa would have liked her. Yeah. But I, I really love... And it how... ends like that, all happy. No other problems. <laughs> Not None at all. But there, there's a line earlier before they get to the hospital where Ellie's just like, we can't half-ass this, we have to go all the way, because Joel's just like, what if we just turned around, went back to Tommy's, just kind of, like, lived our life? Ellie's just like, after everything we've done, after all I did, we can't. this can't be for nothing. And Joel made it all for nothing, at least in her eyes, because of that. She doesn't know what he did, but she's just like, oh, okay, cool, I guess. <laughs> but then we get to the final conversation of the two over the hill, uh, as they're about to walk to Tommy's and Ellie's just like, Hey, so yeah, I, uh, had to kill my best friend. So I know lost and like all this stuff. And Joel's trying to comfort her. And she's just like, Oh my God, dude, just tell me like, is everything you said true? And he's just like, yes, no, with no question marks about it at all. And again, Bella's amazing reaction. She's just in the eyes. You can tell she still doesn't fully believe him, but she is choosing to believe him and says, okay. And that's where it ends. I love that because it's like, that okay is not okay to what you're saying. It's like, okay, sure. This is, what we're going, this is what we're going with for now. Yep. Moving. We'll see how this plays out. <laughs> it's also, okay, fuck. The one person I trust just lied to me. Yep. And so she has no one she can trust now going forward. And that's a fascinating idea to end a story on. So, ethically, Josh, are you more on Joel's side than Marlene's? Because I am. <laughs> I am more on Joel's side, but I can understand, you know, Marlene Wang to save the world and everything. But this is something that I've always thought of since the game came out. Like, even if it had worked and Joel didn't do anything, there's no way they'd be able to get it out to everyone in the world and be able to convince them, like, this is a cure. You won't die from this or something like that. Like, it, the world is too broken at this point. It just can't happen. Yeah, it. I agree. I also think Joel couldn't live with himself either way. Like, if, if he did let it happen... He would have killed himself. Yeah, it would not have been a happy ending. What healed him was her. Yeah, he brought. He said it in this episode. Without her, he'd have Tessa's gone. He'd have no, 
Bill and Frank are gone. Sarah's gone. Tommy's on it as having his own family now, where Joel isn't really a part of it anymore. He'd have no one and nothing. Yeah, he he would have killed himself without her. And I'm not saying that's what it, in the case for everyone, of course, but that's how Joel as a character is described in the show. Yeah, I think the only thing Joel did wrong was lie to her. Yep, she would have hated him, so it wouldn't have ended well. It's complicated. Yes, and it, I'm excited. To, I might play both games before I watch that. What was season two? That we can both have a discussion like that more. Yes. But I don't know. I might stay our control group. I'm not sure. <laughs> God, there's there's so much I want to talk about with the second season. Ah, but I can't. I'm just ready for tattoo arm Ellie. <laughs> yes, Ellie's tattoo is great. Do you have any kind of predictions at all about where the story could go? Uh, just anything at all in general. I know it's going to keep being gay. Of course, it gets gay. it gets very that. gay. I know that's great. I know she. There's a line in this episode about um, Ellie playing about Joel teaching Ellie guitar. Um, I've seen Bella Ramsey play guitar, and I know in her audition she had it in the background purposefully. Smart, because uh, Ellie plays the guitar in Gospels too. I don't know much about the game. I'm not, and again, this is me. Not trying to spoil anything because I don't know things for certain, really. I just like I know a few things here and there, and that's also like a clip I've seen a thousand times of her singing "Take on Me" in a very sad way, which is very funny for that song. But I'm not gonna make any predictions because I don't want to accidentally spoil something for someone. True. <laughs> for what? Because I don't know what fully what's real and what's not real in my head about season two. Sometimes. Mm-hmm. Here's gonna be spoilers for a game one now. So Josh, talk freely about differences you want if you want to. Because I kind of touched on it in certain areas, but I think the thing I really love the most is, of course, how this really explores the characters. Because when you're playing a game, you can't really have these kinds of moments. Otherwise, it would draw things out, ruin pacing, all sorts of other things. But it's the control you have as the character. So the more you play the game, the more you become attached to believing you're like Joel and wanting to protect Ellie and things like that. So you get that real bonding connection from that. But here, you actually get to experience that, especially Joel's turmoil and stuff, which is not even really hinted at that much. Um, So that was a big change that I really liked. Uh, Bill Bill and Frank obviously is the biggest difference. That was... Again, I was just like, oh, okay. And it kept going. It kept being different. I'm like, all right, I'm here for this. I'm down. It's very different, changed, but it's very good. They changed where Henry and Sam are to KC in this instead of where they're originally from. I don't know what city it was. I think it was, it was Detroit or something. Oh, it was, uh, it was Pittsburgh. I was listening to okay. the podcast about it. They were just like, yeah, there's not a whole lot of like Pittsburgh-y looking cities in Canada. Um, so, <laughs> so they were looking around. They were just like, Kansas City looks like it'll work. And that, that was the reason. And it could have been any major city. It didn't have to be Pittsburgh. Right. It didn't have to be Kansas City. Um, it did make them travel farther. That's why big yeah. there. But stuff like uh, Kathleen and everything in Kansas City, that wasn't in the game. That was very different. I really liked that. Henry and Sam uh, was definitely different, but it's a change that I think worked very well. Did you enjoy him being deaf in this? Yes, I did. I thought that was a really cool choice. Um, the magic and- paper? Yeah, and it made their dyna- I thought it made their dynamic stronger because in the game, uh, Henry is very much kind of like more authoritative, and it's just like you can't do this, you can't do that, and everything because he wants to protect his brother, but he doesn't. You can kind of tell he's new at it. He doesn't really know how because like Sam wants to take like just a small robot toy from a toy shop that they're hiding in, and Henry's just like, "What's the one thing I said?" And Sam's like, "You only take what you need." And he's like, "Yeah, now put it away or something." And then Ellie steals it uh, for Sam, and then 
in a scene in the game, um, Sam doesn't tell Ellie that he's bitten. She gives him the toy, and then he she leaves. He throws it down, and then he like pulls up his leg to look at his wound, and that's when we see. She's like, oh, okay, that's why he's acting like that. I think it's interesting making him younger, though. I think it's kind of cool. Yeah, that was um, something I was just like, okay, I'll all right, I'll go with this. I'll see it what it's like. Does make me question where his parents are because the younger he is, the longer the the parents would have been around. Yeah, because because um, he was more what? recent. Yeah, because he was eight. So within the past eight years, sometime their parents would have been killed, probably or gone away or whatever. I think it's interesting that it's not touching that at all. You know, not even one line of like. You know, my parents were infected. You could have said one line about that. I thought it would be interesting. But mm-hmm. it was cool. Are you excited for season two? I am. I'm so excited. Uh, Craig and Neil said that it's going to be multiple seasons. Okay. Again, we don't know what that means. Like two, three. We don't know how long. But Nine with... seasons of season two. <laughs> game two. But I, I played through that game dozens of times with how how complex it is and its themes and ideas, how long it is. There's, there's so many things that I'm like, it can't just be one season. It has to be at minimum two. I think that's how you would be able to get across everything. And if they're adding stuff, cause they said that they're going to, then I think that that would make it much stronger for that. So I am so excited just to see it in live action, but I am so terrified of the discourse again because the discourse the first time was so stupid. And I'm not going to get into it because it spoils stuff. But it all started because someone like leaked details of it without context at all or anything. And the internet just completely like flipped it on its head, was making stuff up about it and everything. And they just lost their mind at it. And I still know people on the internet that have refused to play the game because of the leaks. They, they still don't know what it's like. And I'm like, you've got to play the game to be able to experience it, to understand the stuff. The star of our next week episode, Shazam Fury of the Gods, Zachary Levi, um says that he loves both games, and the second one's even better than the first one in his eyes. I agree. I think it was really fascinating overall. I'm excited for season two. I might play both games. I'm not sure yet. I'm, I'm excited to see how the games play out more. So I've seen some of game two because I also watched your YouTube channel, Josh. Yeah. And I, I used to watch videos of you playing, but it was been a while now, and I remember things in snippets. That's why I don't want to say anything about season two predictions. Like I don't know what is real or not in my head anymore. I think it's really fascinating that this world is so complex. I love the environment that they're in. I love the set design overall. I love so many details that went in this show. And I'm just overall excited to see what comes next. Yeah, I I remember after I beat the game the first time on the PS4 um, version, it comes with a making of documentary about how they made the game and everything. Um, it's also on YouTube uh, to watch. It's It was very fascinating, just, like, the whole process of how they came up with the idea and just, like, the evolution of it. It was very fascinating. I uh, it's, so, it's so good. Josh, we are, are you ready to move on from The Last of Us topic? I do have one last thing to talk about after The Last of Us, so. I guess. Isn't it sad to move on from this show? Uh, it always is. It's been, like, it's been, like, an hour and a half of probably total time recording, talking about The Last of Us, so have fun editing. Yeah. Um. Okay, Josh, in lieu of a super weird story, I have a small little game for you. Much like our intro every day says, games and more, here's the games part. What? Games? That's incorrect. In honor of this TV adaptation, we're going to find out, Josh, which Last of Us character you are. Oh, goody. According to BuzzFeed, which, you know, is the official source for all quizzes. Of course. So first, choose a place you'd like to live. Would you like to live... 
um, in a, I'm going to use my, my writer's brain to describe things to you. A nice, warm environment with beautiful red, uh, pink flowers and this big white building with lots of windows and sunlight. A nice, nice little house like that. Inside of a cave is one of the options. A red house on a, on a hillside, looks like Ireland probably. A barn. The side of a mountain by a church in like an old cabin. Or a nice suburban home in a forest. What was the one in Ireland? Uh, it looks like uh, a little small, small like a red house, like one of those tiny houses, kind of houses, on the on a hillside with some nice little uh, cotton flowers beside it on a hillside. Looks like Ireland, probably. That sounds nice. I'll go with that one. Okay. What What's a hobby you like to dabble in? Music, art, writing, exercising, playing games, or photography? <laughs> I guess playing games is the one that I do the most, so I'll go for that one. Not art or writing. You failed as a film student. I'm aware. Now, choose your weapon. A 9mm pistol, a semi-automatic pistol, my fists are all I need, machete, hunting rifle, or water gun. I guess I'll go with the uh, hand pistol. I feel like that would just be the easiest one to work through. The 9mm pistol or the semi-auto pistol? Uh, the 9mm. All right. Now choose a destination, Josh. We're thinking of vacation here, okay, for maybe a week. Germany, Mexico, Japan, London, Brazil, or Egypt. I feel like Germany. I don't know why. Let's go for that. I love how you chose the one place that's not mostly English-speaking. I took German in high school. There's not the one place. There are actually, I mean, the one, there's only one place that's mostly English-speaking. You chose one place that are not. But it's fine. I took German, too. Uh, choose an animal. I don't know what context for, but... Wolf, goat, fox, raccoon, cow, or bat? I'm I'm going to go with uh, wolf. Why wolf? I, I feel like it would be, if I could raise it from birth, I feel like that would be a cool animal to have it's, as a it's protector. A dog. <laughs> it, it's a dog with, with fangier fangs. Lastly, be honest. What's your thing? My thing? <laughs> What's your thing? Is it you don't let people in? You're more positive than most. You talk to yourself. Sometimes too harsh. You don't express emotions or trauma, literally. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, I, I like to say that I'm more positive than most on certain things. Okay, we're going to see what this, what this gives you then. No. I clicked the wrong one. I clicked the wrong one. Oh, no. Let me make sure. I have to go through all your answers now because the site bugged, so give me one second. You got Ellie. Ooh! Ellie, it says, You're mature beyond your years. You're probably more strong and witty compared to most. You might even deal with some emotional trauma. You're the last hope. <laughs> I'm the last hope. You heard it here, folks. We are screwed. <laughs> exactly. Oh, and on that, that is, that is our uh, episode today, guys. I hope you all enjoy our chaos, talking about Good Burger 2, and other things, including Ready to Run, the Horse Girl movie. Was that this one? No, that was the last one. This one was Quince. That's right. Oh, yeah, the bad one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bad's a harsh... It, the less... It's, it was, Ready to Run was more interesting than Quince was. Yes. This is our episode, everyone. Last of Us Season 1, quite a ride. Quite a great ride. Josh, where can people find you online? I'm at places. I'm on 
Instagram at Jerry underscore Rudy 16. Twitter, Jerry underscore Rudy 28. YouTube at Josh Rudolph. And you can find me on Twitter at The Theater Nerd. Or you can find me on Instagram um, and TikTok at That Nerd and Theater. Or you can tweet at us at hashtag GeekSpeakPod or um, GeekSpeakPod on Twitter. Or you can email the show at podgeekspeak at gmail.com. And just to be sure, I'm going to check our email right now because I don't think we've got anyone. I'm just figuring out it's good to check. We do actually have a response, though, from a DM. The response was about for a few episodes ago when we talking about our year in review. We brought up Morbius. And one of our listeners, uh, Marley Loves Film, uh, DM'd the show to say that uh, if Josh was bedridden after watching Morbius, does that mean that Morbius blew his back out? <laughs> yes, indeed. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> so yeah, you all can have your responses read aloud on the show, everyone. <laughs> Tweet at us or email us. And on that note, have a wonderful day. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.